Knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada in Chips. Oh, you fucked it up. It's Eric Estrada from Chips. Isn't it? Oh, it's it's from Chips. From as opposed to in? I feel does like that that's a diff- it does to me. <laughs> okay. It does Fair enough. Uh, Bone Tomahawk. Because he's clarifying that it's the Eric Estrada from, not the any other Eric Estrada. Right. It's uh, from Chips. But, but wouldn't saying in Chips be implied exactly the like same thing? That he's doing an impression. Like, this is Eric Estrada in Chips. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Whatever. I, I, I didn't, didn't mean to derail that. it. Okay. That's just that just got me. But yeah, it's just so perfect. Yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> it's great. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to I like to movie movie. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully, and I'm commandeering the show this week. This is a Mandy podcast. Now it's going to be a Mandy podcast for the rest of the time. We're just going to review Mandy every week until this Dude, podcast is over. Mandy is so fucking metal. It's, that movie is absolutely just metal as fuck it's metal as fuck i just want to do like a fucking double bill of mandy and bone tomahawk oh yeah all the time just i think i'd rather pair it with cell block 99 or with just watching mandy again yeah yeah yeah. because that's that's how Uh, i feel right now i literally wanted to watch it all day long that was the only thing i wanted to do i listened to the soundtrack all day i was like very emotional listening to it which surprised surprised me. me yeah i put on the soundtrack and was very moved by it yeah and then because i had searched mandy on spotify the soundtrack ended like since it's it's all just kind of ambient sounds yeah, and, yeah. and you know guttural guitar shred kind of things. <laughs> when it end, like you don't really know the beginning or end of any track, right? And then it just suddenly I realized I was listening to cover after cover of Mandy <laughs> by uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of it? I can't think of that guy's name because I was listening to the Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. Yes. That's it. I was listening to that's the it. Me First and the Gimme Gimme's cover. Yes. Well, that came into yeah. it. And I was like, because I think that's what set me off. Because I was listening to it, and I listened to me first in the Gimme Gimme's all the time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh wait a minute. I was listening. Oh, this is Matt. Oh, I've been listening to Mandy covers. Yeah. <laughs> just fell into that. But uh, all for good cause. That movie was. Uh, mm, that is exactly no what I want in a movie. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it to anybody. I don't know who I would recommend it to. It's amazing. A coworker always asks me, she's like, so you got any good movies to recommend? And when she asked me today, I was like, uh,. No. Yes. (laughs) I saw something great and I will not recommend it to you. Yeah. Because like you know, like you like you like movies that aren't like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's that's not what this is. But I still tried to pitch Mandy to her. And her response was like, Well, that's fun. Well uh, and this is a good opportunity to introduce our guest today, Matt Holmes. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. here. Uh Matt hosts uh, an improv show called Matt and uh, that you can find at mattandimprov.com, uh, which he does all over Philadelphia and I think outside the area as well. He said it's a bit of a rolling road show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Nice. Tell us a little bit about the show. What's the concept? Uh, so it's an improv show like you might see uh, anyone else doing improv, only it's just me on stage and I get somebody from the audience on stage with me to be my partner. Hell yeah. For like an hour. That's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. How does that go? Like, like, do you get audience members sometimes that it's like, this is going to be a struggle for an hour? Uh, no, not really. The, okay. The weirdest part is that it's not that weird. Okay. And from the get-go, I've been doing it for 10 years now. Yeah. And from the start, it's like, this just works. Wow. Uh, everything that's, you know, bad about how I play improv uh-huh. is a necessity yes. in it. And everything that's good just shines more so. That's amazing. 
Uh, I'm, I don't know exactly what the audience me- member partner feels, but uh, <laughs> I've gotten good feedback that, you know, they liked a chance to come out of their shell and do something different and that I took care of them on stage. So. That's great. That's incredible. That yeah. is a, that is a, a phenomenal talent. Yeah. Um, we both came out of the stand-up world yes. and there's mm-hmm. there was always a divide between improv and stand-up based in each party being jealous that they can't do what the other one does. Yeah. I, couldn't, I could never do stand-up. What's weird, though, is I think you could. Yeah. Uh, because most of the time, like, stand-ups actually have a bank of improv because they're doing crowd work. Yeah. And improv folks definitely have a bank of, like, good functioning uh, joke formulas that work. And it's like, if... If that could just open up, everyone would be happy. But there's always that Sharks v. Jets uh, yeah. divide of, amongst that that I always found yeah. so funny. There's some stand-ups who do basically like a one-person sketch show yeah. on stage. They'll go into a story, and they're talking about it, and then they switch into performing it and mm-hmm. playing different characters with different voices. Uh, or people who, you know, it's it's not even standing there and, and making observations as though they just came to you. It's mm-hmm. It's more like... Uh, characters, yeah, and I could see myself trying that if I really wanted to, but mm. just getting up there and playing the character of me trying to just talk to a crowd is as scary to me as uh, having no script is to any other, you know. See, yeah, that's how I feel. Is I've I've partaken in like improv activities or like jumped in on a show, and I just kind of hide in the back and I'm just watching from closer because stepping up to try and get involved in the scene is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Uh, just because I know that if I, I think a lot of standups get into it. Um, I know I'm speaking for myself is that I am so terrified to trust anyone else to carry my time on stage. Yeah. And I know that that's arguably part of it. And, uh, I just I'd rather just succeed or fail on my own terms. And anytime I've ever done improv, the big fear is like, I know I'm going to fuck up. And if these people can't save me or just make me look bad. But and it never happens that way. Everyone's cool. Yeah, that's that's scary stuff, man. If it just goes off the rail, then that's entertaining for a different reason. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> that's to, very true. Uh, to put a bow on all this real quick. So the reason that, uh, so uh, uh, when Matt was here before he got here, Danny was like, I was trying to tell him about Mandy and he was like, what's it about? And I was like, well, and then I used the director's quote where I was like, uh, a logger who has to take vengeance for the people that took his wife, which I is, mean, that's it. That's a way, that's a way to describe that movie. And that describes nothing about the experience of that movie at all. So much so that when the director described it as that, everyone's reaction was like, "What do you? What movie are you? Oh, I guess that is <laughs> that what that, is movie, what that was. movie was about. Right? That's exactly what that yeah. was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, boy, is it great! I think that's. Uh, I think Dan and I'll probably be talking about that more on the podcast. I. It's. It is definitely. Uh, it's it's a lock for my top I ten think of the so year, too. and it is a strong contender for a high ranking on yeah. that list. Yeah, it, there was I've just never seen anything like it's, it. It was it was great. Uh, Keep in mind that uh, I know nothing about this movie. I've I got a one minute description. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know it involves Nicolas Cage. Yes, but I'm totally s- imagining it with Mandy Moore <laughs> in that role. <laughs> As a logger who's seeking vengeance, Ooh, I'd watch it. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> I would definitely watch yeah. it in a metal way. If that you movie would it, be pretty sweet, yeah, like candy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if it was literally the movie we saw, but starring Mandy Moore, that would have 
maybe blown my mind even harder. Would have been something. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly would have been something. Uh, so uh, you can find. I recommend sh- it. You should go yeah. into it without much info. Yeah. I didn't even watch a trailer. I just I, went on Buzz. I've and seen was so real many, impressed. so many like weird movies lately that I mm. didn't par- prepare for, and. I don't know if it's a good fit for me. For that <laughs> what's, kind of what's, movie. That, what's the last like weird movie that like fucked your shit up? Uh, the Red Turtle. Oh, I don't Red even know. What that I've is. heard of that, but I've not seen it. Entirely animated. Mm. There's like one word spoken, and it's like "Hey," mm-hmm. and yet when you put the uh, uh, the Blu-ray in, it makes you choose a language. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like a, a guy stranded on a beach. And he tries to escape, and a red tur- an enormous red turtle keeps like breaking his raft, and eventually, geez, I don't know if I even want to like tell you what happens. <laughs> well, I, I do plan to see it. I, yeah. This was, I believe, it was Oscar nominated. I kind of remember it now it was, that you're yeah. describing it. You should go in not knowing what what's going to happen other than that. Okay, it's, okay. It's, that's about all I understood about it. It's based on a graphic novel, I think, mm, yeah. and it's beautifully drawn. Um, but it gets so crazy uh-huh. in a really weird, slow, quiet way. Uh-huh. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that that almost describes Mandy because at first it is like a real slow, yes, just syrupy burn. Yeah, and then you know once the the wheels come off and it rips, it rips everything in its path. But yeah, yeah for a while there, it's a slow burn. But yep. I'm into it. Okay, yeah, yeah. sold. I planned to watch that and then just never did because life. Yeah, she's a bitch. <laughs> you know. uh, but highly recommend yes, Mandy when Mandy that comes rules. out. And I also would love to share this little tidbit that we learned yes. last night. I think you know where this uh-huh. is going. After Mandy, they had a uh, Q and A that was uh, live streamed, live streamed or, or yeah. pre recorded with Nick Cage with uh, I forget the other actor's name and the director yep. Panos Cosmatos. Yes, and they're being Pants interviewed Cosmos. by uh, Pants Cosmos. <laughs> yeah, pa- uh, Pants Cosmos. Pants Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Uh, his dad directed Rambo too. What? Yeah, his uh, George Co- uh, Cosmatos. He's uh, he's done a lot of good stuff. Oh. I can't think of uh, any. Yeah, I had no he's, idea. He's a yeah. He's a guy, and right. um, he's a dude. Uh-huh. And you they, mean Rambo One, First Blood Part Two? Yes, yes, <laughs> Rambo First Blood Part Two, um, which I actually have yet to see. I've only seen Rambo. Yeah, and I know that it goes. You mean First all Blood? Over. I've seen First Blood. Yes, yeah. I've also seen John Rambo. Yeah, the fourth one. Right, but nothing nothing between. But the um. The interviewer, Kevin Smith, asked There was them, a fourth one? There was a fourth one. It was uh, right after, right on the heels of Rocky Balboa yeah. when he just started doing the full name of his characters and rebooting them. Yeah. And the fourth one's incredible. It is so, I mean, incredible in, in a way that it is very tastelessly violent, but it's so, like, gleefully violent. And it's just, like, 65-year-old uh, living in Vietnam now, John Rambo, just... If you're brown, you're gonna explode in this movie, and <laughs> so it's very upsetting in that thing. But yeah. it's it's not pointed in any way. It's just that Stallone's like kind of an idiot. It's just that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, or but also a genius. Yeah. But anywho, yeah. uh, Kevin Smith asks the actors, "What is their dream role?" And he says to Nick Cage, "What is your dream role?" And he says, and this is a close quote. Yeah, he's like, "Well, I've always thought that my greatest passion. No, I know that my greatest love in life." Has always been the ocean. <laughs> and then he goes on for a few minutes like, about how he loves the ocean, and ultimately leading to the point that his dream role would be to play Captain Nemo. Yes. But uh, first we had to hear that he, lo- <laughs> he loves the ocean. For literally five <laughs> minutes, I thought the answer to what 
role do you most want to play? I thought his answer was the ocean. More suited to that, I yeah, think, yeah. than to Nemo. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's just me. Yeah. The ocean from Moana. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the living uh, wave. That's right. Look at me go. <laughs> You're welcome. Surf me. Surf me. Whoa. Um, so I could, uh, I could see him as Nemo. Yeah. yeah. Or I Ahab. I want him oh, to team up with some kind James of Cameron, whose passion is the ocean. Is the ocean yeah. He wants to become the ocean as well to make a Nemo <laughs> movie that'll be technologically sound and written with all of the nuance of a fucking Bazooka Joe comic. <laughs> that's what James Cameron works with. Yeah, he builds an actual functioning Nautilus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> and then and then he just like co-ops the Pocahontas script and yeah. turns it into a thing. It's like ah, it's Nemo. Uh, so real quick, why don't I plug our own show and then we'll jump yes, in. Yes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. It's numeric two. Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. Email us I Like Two Movie at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Rate us and uh, you know let us know what you think. Let us know what movies you want to hear about. Uh, so real quick, Dan and I want to do like a quick little. Before yeah. we even do that, just yeah. a cool announcement. Cinadelphia just underwent oh, yes. a rebranding, and now if you want to find Cinadelphia, all of the old content is there. But we're going into a new direction. And it is cinema76.com. That's correct. So definitely check out cinema76.com. It is the same flavor, but uh, we're just going to, we're kind of doing our own thing. We're out from under the thumb of the original editing crew. And uh, it's just going to be, it's just going to be more of the same, but it's looking sharp. So yeah. that is where you want to go. But cinadelphia.com will still be active. Yes. And will be tied into our friends at Philomoca and their yep. activities. So this is more for you to love. Yeah. And then while I'm while I'm uh, helping out other people here, I just want to make this great announcement. The guy who did the logo work for Cinema 76, our friend Steve, who is a guest of the show, just launched his new podcast. Oh, yeah. Called George and Steve Yell at Sports. <laughs> and you absolutely have to check it out. Because I have been there while... While George and Steve yell at sports, <laughs> and there's no better way to spend your time than witnessing it. And now you, uh, well, I recommend seeing it live, as in hanging out with us when that happens. Yeah. Uh, you can get a dose of it in audio form. And you should. I listened to the first two episodes, and I know jack shit about sports, and it's. I I will continue to listen. It's so much fun. So uh, George and Steve yell. It might even be Steve and George yell at sports. I don't remember, but okay. you'll get there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to plug them because it's a you know new friend in the pod world. So yeah, that's great. Hit him with that. Steve's a great former guest. Uh, so Dan and I real quick are going to do like a quick little rundown recap of the best stuff we saw at Puff, which was last weekend, the Philly Unnamed Film Festival. Uh, it was all weekend long. We saw eleven features and about. Sh- 40 short films, I think, something like that. Oh, yeah. It's been uh, <laughs> a lot, lot of, of writing. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, check out on the Far Sighted blog and on Cinema 76. We both have coverage coming out, and it's it's coming out. Oh, yeah. It's coming out. So there's going to be a lot of puff to absorb over the next few days. <laughs> yes. And we welcome you to invite you to do it. Yeah. But uh, real quick, I just wanted to like uh, shout out a couple of the movies that we saw. Oh, yeah. Um, the big one for me was The Witch in the Window. Hands down. That was the best of the fest. It was unreal. I haven't seen. Okay. So The Witch in the Window is. Is directed by Andy Mitten, who was the co-director on a movie called We Go On that Dan and I talk about on this podcast a lot. Um, it's a really that was that the first puff was yes. We Go On, so yep. this is his return to the fest. Yes, uh, and it's the first movie he's directed solo. Uh, the past stuff he's done, he's done with another director, uh, and it is just one of the best horror movies I've seen this year. Uh, it it is. Um, a father-son story, which everybody that listens to this knows I love. I love father-son stories. Um, it's a really good father-son story. It's very emotional. It's very funny. And it is intrinsically tied to the horror of the movie. 
Uh, and it's a very scary movie yes. that builds its scares out of character, yep. out of mood. And I don't think that there is a lick of special effects in this. No, it it's is makeup. straight up classic horror, just based in character. Yep. And it is terrifying. It's so good. There are a handful of scares in it, but there's one centerpiece scare that, no lie, everyone in the theater had an audible reaction. And myself included, and it's very rare that that happens. I've never seen an audience react like that, like since the descent. The descent, yeah, the descent was the, the last, last time. time I saw a whole audience just like leave the ground at the same time. We had Liam was sitting in front of us, and after it happened, he did the over the shoulder, like shake his head up and down, like you see in the shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was good. He's not the easiest to impress. No, so it was, that's uh, true. It was good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the other oh, thing I want to give a big shout out to is Butterfly Kisses. Butterfly Kisses is probably my second favorite of the fest. Yeah, I really liked that. I'm a big fan of found footage. The problem with found footage is that it's so easy to make, and the gimmick of the medium is a very easy way to put out a clever film. Yeah. It's also a very easy uh, way. It can become a crutch very easily, yeah. which we see happen. And oftentimes you will get a filmmaker who forgets to stay true to the device because they want to do some artistic flourish. Yeah. And that that almost defeats the purpose for me. It can take you out of the movie. And Butterfly Kisses not only is true to its own conceit, but also is an exploration of the function of found footage. Yes. Uh, if that may, I think that's the way to say it. It's, 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 it's wild. I think I, it's, the easiest way to describe what you're describing, and this is not the tone of this movie, but it does for found footage what Scream did for slasher movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It very much openly unpacks the devices and tropes that mm -hmm. are used in found footage and why they work, how they work, when they work, when they don't work. But it also kind of like House of Leaves itself. Mm -hmm. It, like, it's a narrative within a narrative within a narrative. And it's like self-investigatory. It's constantly... Because yeah. like the big thing with found footage is everyone was like, why is the camera on? Yep. Why are they filming this? Why aren't they leaving? Yep. And this film has a clever, multi-layered approach where it consistently asks itself those questions yeah. right before an, a savvy audience member would think to ask them. Yeah. So it's constantly undercutting any criticism with self-criticism. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And uh, the director, Eric Meyer, uh, somebody that Dan and I got to meet and uh, seemed to express some interest in maybe being on the show at some point. And I, I would really like to talk to him a little more about the movie because yeah. he had cool really dude. interesting things to say about like how they made this movie, which once you see it, you'll, you'll want to know how it was made, too. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's that kind of movie. And I think we've done a pretty good job of not even really like spoiling oh, what no, it is and the spoil. devices and stuff. Yeah, But, yeah, you want to go in pretty blind. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just... The basis of it is an urban legend. Yeah. And so it's an exploration of an urban legend, and we snowball from there. Yeah. I also want to mention, uh, I, I don't I don't remember how you felt about this, but I was duly impressed by a film there called Braid. Oh, yeah. And yep. Braid is a really cool riff on a sort of, it's funny because they reference in the program that it looks like uh, train spotting. Yeah, yeah. But I actually think it is more evocative of Danny Boyle's previous feature, Shallow Grave. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of Shallow Grave. It's a little bit of Thoroughbreds from mm -hmm. last year. And what's so interesting about it, uh, even as like a Duke of Burgundy touch, and I think that movie's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, it was funded by cryptocurrency, uh -huh. which is a crazy idea. Yep. Um, they funded it by cryptocurrency. And um, it's, it's I don't a know little how to describe it. I don't want to say too much, but yeah. it is sort of a commentary on the concept of fantasy. Yeah. In that... If you look at any of the artwork for it, you think, oh, this is high fantasy. This is a fairy tale. And it is very much not. But it is about 
the stories that we throw ourselves into in order to cope with reality. Yeah. And this is, there's a character that is so divorced from reality and mentally ill that she is in a very fantasy world. There's also two relatively well-off characters that have decided that they'd much rather live the starving artist lifestyle and the drug dealer lifestyle. And it's when these stories come together and everyone has to cling to their falsity in order to stay alive and move forward that shit gets like, fucked it gets and crazy it's it's just a really cool movie it is and cool it's just a it's a nice tight like 85 minutes or something yeah i highly recommend braid and i have a feeling that one will probably get a wide release somewhere yeah even if just on shutter or something it, yeah. it has that sort of a uh a prestige to it that's not yeah. the right word but there's just something uh legit about it that feels uh, good. agreed yeah. yeah um and th- you know there's a lot of stuff dan and i could mention but we don't want to spend too much mm. time here but i think one other thing you and i probably both want to talk Trade. about is yeah uh, is it called The Most Beautiful Train? It's called The Most Beautiful Railway. Railway, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, and it's directed by Chris Tauber, uh, who's a German filmmaker and comic book artist, I believe. Uh, and it is a riff on something called Slow TV, which I'm not familiar with Slow TV specifically, but I'm sure if you're around Dan and I's age, we're, you know, we're in our 30s, you probably remember like Sunday afternoons on like PBS when all that would play would be like Bob Ross and other just I remember there was one that was just a fish tank. Yeah. It was just a fish tank. And you know what? You'd put it on. And I I fucking hate fish. I think they're terrifying. (laughs) And it's still relaxing. It was that kind of stuff where it's like... It's it's so antithetical to what is relaxing TV now, yes. where we get stressed out. Like, gotta get my stories! Yeah. It was just, turn your brain off, chill. Um, <laughs> I remember Steve had an antenna on his TV, and we found a channel called Traffic Tango. And all it is is just traffic cameras set to, like, MIDI tango music, <laughs> 24-7. Yep. I remember So that. good. You remember Traffic Tango? And so this is a play on that. Yeah. Uh, slow TV, apparently gathered they would just put cameras on uh relatively slow moving trains from villages to cities and you would just watch the you know you just watch it and that's what this is that's what it is but you got to look closely because there is more i don't want to say too much i know the poster sort of gives it away but i went in totally blind and had it been just trains it would have been i still be talking about it as much glowing (laughs) it was great you're sitting there stoned just watching yeah yeah Mm, my own but but there's more to it, yeah. and it takes a more horrific angle without ever breaking. It could be considered found footage yeah. uh, without ever breaking from it. And I, I think we, we spent a fair amount of time talking with the director. Yes. And he was a very interesting guy. And uh, Chris ruled. I, I really Chris liked was that cool. Yeah. yeah, Chris Tauber. 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 Yep. And uh, yeah, he was just a cool dude. And it says something to the faith that a filmmaker can have in their audience to trust an audience to be that patient with something. And not that I felt that it was testing my patience, but Mm -hmm. I know that when I have a copy of that video and I go, ooh, you guys got to watch this, there's going to be a fair amount of me watching my friends and going, no, 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 don't check out. Yeah. Don't check out. You got to keep watching. And so I think we had a really prime circumstance where you can't really dip out of it. Exactly. But um, uh, the more more, uh, uh, engaged viewers will be rewarded tenfold yeah you really should check it out it's, it's like 40 minutes long yeah it's, it's, it's not it's pretty like, short it's and it's just man did i love it i don't yeah. know there's just something about it it was very mesmerizing i thought mm-hmm. these were all horror movies for the most genre, genre. movies mm-hmm. okay. just yeah. general genre yeah movies. like we saw something called by bust which was like an action movie um we saw some possession movies uh we saw something called derelicts which i think we both liked quite a derelicts bit derelicts is real cool uh which is like a riff on fight for your life it's like a home invasion type movie um 
so yeah, there was a lot of different stuff, but all, all kind of genre stuff, like heightened genre stuff. Um, and a lot of good local filmmakers this year, too. I liked quite a bit of the local shorts. I think I liked all the local shorts. Yeah. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I don't know, maybe Dan and I can talk about some of that stuff uh, again in the future. Cause we'll probably be checking into it as yeah. certain things cue yeah. those Those, those were just like head. the big ones that definitely Dan and I spent like all week talking Dude, about. Which in the window is just, yeah. it's just unreal. Yeah. It, it just goes to show you like... Uh, Hitchcock even said it. If yep. we're going to be talking psycho, Hitchcock said that the key to horror is you can't scare people unless they care about the people in the movie. Yep. You know, if you kill someone in a movie and I don't care about them, I don't care. Yeah. But if you get me on their side or at least uh, to jive with their motivations, then I'm going to feel the same successes and defeats as them. And horror is all about successes and oftentimes final defeats. And what I like about Andy Mitten's work is that he is a hopeful filmmaker. Yes. It is not those immediate post 9-11 horror movies where everything is, everything's okay, but it's not! Roll credits. You yeah, know, yeah, none of that yeah. stuff. And there's no gore or anything, but there is some real character-based, effective horror that will turn your stomach in an emotional way. Yeah. And that's hard to do. I agree. And when you're dealing with something just as simple as a witch in a window, yeah. there's a very <laughs> easy way to fall into cheese, and you never do. Mm -hmm. I I loved the dad. Yeah. I like loved him. Like yeah. he was my family. The the kid was not a kid in a horror movie that acts solely as a token that the stressed parent can lose. This right. kid was a full-on character with an arc, with agency, and with meaning, yep. with as much to gain and lose from the plot as the father, who was yeah. arguably the lead character. It's it's just phenomenal scripting, shot well. You can't beat it. Yeah, it's I, I loved that movie. Oh, that, that's that's okay. another strong contender for me as far as going into the end of the year here, because mm -hmm. I, I really loved that movie. Um, so yeah, Puff was great this year. It was you know three years in a row. It's been a really good. I mm. feel like they just get better every year. The audiences are growing, which is really cool. It felt like the theater was much more packed this year mm -hmm. than it had been in years past. Um, so thank you it to was Madeline. Like an engaged for, audience. Everyone was asking questions. Everyone yeah. was was just real in. Everyone was like hanging out outside, and, yep. and it wasn't it wasn't like a me 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 festival. Right. There was definitely a. Uh, a community to it totally that's growing and it's so much fun and and you should become a part of this community yes, it's very yeah. cool so, so uh, yeah, cheers to to puff to who does regular screenings crew, at yeah. south street cinema yep. here in philadelphia on a weekly bi-weekly basis weekly, pretty think, regularly yeah. and so the flavor of puff is now a year-long thing so there's no reason why you can't come hang out madeline and alex are super cool yeah ken is the man you've heard them all on the show yeah uh yeah, come come be a part of it, and thank you to all of them for being so kind and gracious to us, and Indeed. letting us watch movies in exchange for our stupid words about <laughs> That's right. movies. That's, That's right. right. How lucky! I know we? it's, it's crazy. So uh, so, you want to do some predictions for Psycho 3? Yes, yes. Now, Matt, you yes. have seen Psycho. Yes. You have not seen Psycho 2. Correct. But you're ready for Psycho 3. Yes, I'll say I'm ready. <laughs> what what angle did you base these predictions on? Um, general filmic knowledge. <laughs> okay. Now fair. you have a, a decent amount of film knowledge. I know you hit me with a fair amount of uh, Anthony Perkins uh, extracurricular material, <laughs> which is some pretty phenomenal stuff. I just know random weird facts. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Join the club. Yeah. Yeah. He sent me a, a actually, we should probably put it on air. Okay. Uh, an Anthony Perkins uh, song. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he was a pop singer. I had no idea. I will definitely it's, include that at the end of the podcast if you can get it to It's not me. awful. One song. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty catchy. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it, and I'll try and drop it at the end of this episode. I think pretty much everybody was a pop singer yeah, yeah. in, like, the 50s and 60s. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, sing a song. Yeah. You're in. 
Actually, the the other day I stumbled across. I was, I wanted to hear uh, "Take Me Home, Country Road." Yes, and so I put on the "Me First" and the "Gimme Gimme's" one uh-huh. because it's so good. And then after that, it immediately jumped to the next cover, which was by David Hasselhoff. Whoa, he does "Take Me Home, Country Road," and it goes to show you that even if you don't know how to make a pizza. If you have really good ingredients, you'll still probably make a decent pizza. This is not me talking about fucking garbage Papa John's. I don't yeah, mean yeah, to yeah, invoke right. their their slogan, no, no, no. but uh, that song is so good that Papa even John's David Hasselhoff can't is, ruin it. <laughs> that was Papa John's slogan. What it you was said? better ingredients, better pizza, oh, which I is weird because like their pizza is dog shit. <laughs> that's what it should be. It's yeah. like decent pizza delivered quick enough. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's enough for you. Like better better ingredients, better pizza. Also, here's our CEO saying the N word. Like, yeah. I'm not into this. I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. Nothing is better about this. Just give this. me the, the garlic butter, and then we'll yeah. call it a day. Uh, all right, let's let's do a little roundtable here. So we've decided not to spoil two for Matt, correct? Yeah, and and I, I told Matt that to some extent, I think because of you know I, just that we're doing this yeah, series, yeah. we probably are going to spoil some details of Cycle Two for him just I in the it's, conversation. It's but we can mostly to avoid spoil. It. Spoil. Yeah. I think that it's important before I go into these that that. We should establish that Psycho 2 leaned into comedy a yes, little bit heavier. a little bit. Yep. And effectively so. And at the end, serves as sort of a reset. Yes. A reset of, you know, we are now back in the same circumstances as Psycho 1 began with. That was, and my first prediction is, is this just going to be a remake of Psycho? Mm-hmm. Because Psycho 2 sets you up to just... Now we're this cycle is going to repeat itself. Mm. Um, so that was my first prediction. Is like, is this just going to be a remake of Psycho? Because that's kind of what Psycho Two sets you up for. Mm. You know. Okay. Uh, so I remain as lost as before. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Great news. Yeah. You want to drop a, your first prediction on us? My first prediction is it will suck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty fair, I think. That's a likely... Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, but to be fair, Dan and I kind of thought that would be the case with two, yeah. and it blew our minds. You gave it a perfect score, I, I believe. I loved that <laughs> It was a really good movie. I loved that movie. Yeah. That was, it was phenomenal. It yeah. was as, uh, okay, so my first uh, prediction, and I'll, I'll go with my vaguest one, is that I think this one's going to be darker. Okay. It's going to return to a little bit more darkness as opposed to sort of the, the carnival-ish nature of the second one. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I got one here. Is Norman going to take on a protege in this one? That's oh, an angle that's that they haven't hit yet in this series. And is that something that could happen? Could he Could he find someone that becomes kind of his, you know, does he, quote unquote, become mother to someone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's fantastic. I was trying to think. You'll see in my future yeah. predictions here. I was trying to think of that. It never even occurred to me. Protege. Yeah. yeah that's, that's wild. That's my fifth prediction, which is like passing the baton. Yes. Mm. Like in or the knife. Friday the 13th <laughs> Part 5, uh-huh. Halloween uh-huh. Part 5, <laughs> Freddy 2, uh-huh. Amityville Horror 2, <laughs> Exorcist 3. I love it. I love it. Yeah. These are all like, you're listing my favorite all things of those in are the like, world. You know, should we still have that person be the killer? Right. Or... Do we have someone younger, fresher? What I love is in all of those circumstances, they were like, let's do something new. And then in the next chapter after that, they were like, back to the old. Bad idea. Yeah, back bad to the idea. Old. They, at the end of, I believe it was five, they make, no, is it four or five? Which, which series? I'm going through Halloween. I'm, oh, Halloween. I'm going yeah. through Halloween right now, and so they're all starting to mash together. Yeah, right. And in one of them, uh, Laurie Strode's daughter is the hero, but by the end, she's so maddened by it that she becomes a killer. Uh, and yeah. then in the next one, it's all a dream. <laughs> uh, 
Yep. I was so into that. And then six was just fucking dog shit. That the whole Friday the 13th series is that way. Everyone ends with some sort of cliffhanger ending where you're like, oh, now I want to see the next one. And the next one's like, don't worry about that. Yeah, you know? That doesn't matter. That's the old uh, the old weeds approach. Yeah. I remember at the end of season one of weeds, the guy that the drug dealer's dating, he's like, uh, I'm a cop and I know you're a drug dealer. Cut. Yeah. Wait a year. Season two starts. He's like, and I know you're a drug dealer, and I love you so much, I don't care. Let's have a season two. <laughs> like, you've got to be fucking shitting me. Okay, so my second one is Norman fully embraces his dual personalities and for the first time in the series enjoys killing. Oh, interesting. Rather than being uh, the antithesis of his mother cleaning yeah. up after her, he now goes, I can't fight her. Join her. Yeah, that's that, interesting. That's, that's a prediction. That's, uh, I had... Um Okay, yeah, that, I had some similar things here, but um, my my next one was, uh, I guess this is similar to the protege one, but not exactly. I was thinking, like, is it possible Norman actually finds love in this movie with a like-minded soul? Ooh, Ooh Bride of Chucky. Because he's been, tr- he's presumably, especially after the second one, seems to be trying to connect with a partner of some yeah, kind. Yeah. Um, but obviously, well, that's where mother always pops in. Yeah, is that she feels threatened by his right. potential connection with another woman. And so, could he find a woman or anyone to have a connection with that is maybe like-minded enough, let's say, mm. to um, maybe win mother's approval? You know, interesting. Um, so, I'm curious that's a good about call. that. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you got, got for us? Uh, my prediction number two was no Anthony Perkins. A lot of times you'll see somebody disappear from a series. Yeah. But I'm told that he's the director. Of he this is. One. Yes. It would make sense, though, that he would spend if less time in front of the mm-hmm. camera as a result. Yeah. Right. If there's yeah. something yep. happens and then he disappears right. or, you know, everybody's That's asking, interesting, actually. I didn't mm. even consider that. Not everybody can be Ben Affleck, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 Just yeah. direct them. Thankfully. So, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, my next. All right. Is it your turn? No, go ahead. My turn. Go. Uh, my next one is that Norman begins interacting with people directly as mother. Whoa. Because we know that he does the voice. That yeah. was one of the tricks that they pulled on us. So if he's making calls purposefully as mother and interacting with people that aren't him yeah. as mother, that would be another Oh, that's really interesting. You know? Yeah. Because that's sort of... And when you go through like the the horror movie rules as established by uh, Randy Piccolomini in um <laughs> by Randy in Scream, yeah, uh, one of the things he says is in the third one they always get a little bit supernatural, yeah, yeah, and mm, that's yeah. generally the case is that in the third one if it's not already supernatural they step things up a little bit. Um, that's not necessarily supernatural, but that is a stretch of the logic that was used to pull the wool over the viewer's eyes in the first one, but. Since it's established, we could certainly stretch that further and put him on the phone with somebody. Heck, even if it's just he's in full mother drag and has his back to somebody and can do the voice, that could very well be as convincing. And I'd certainly buy it within the reality of this franchise. So Yeah, that's interesting. That's the, thing. the real mother shows up. That could be fun. Ooh. Oh, wow. There was a... See, I don't want to say too much about yeah. Supernaturally. Two. That was a tease in two. Yeah. Uh, was there, it? there was a little bit of a tease that there might be more mother around than we were led to believe. Yes. But I don't want to say too much more, but... Th- Time traveling. It could be logical. Mecca mother. I, yo, <laughs> well, I would be into that. That all actually leads me to... Psycho my, X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that all leads me to the next prediction, which was... And this is because of the end of Psycho 2. Will Norman find another quote-unquote, new mother, but because in the context of this movie he would still have a mother, based on the end of two, he's still got a mother, 
Is it possible without mother having to die, he finds another mother, mm. and now we've got a battle between mothers over Ooh. like Norman's sort of like you know soul over his like personality. That's kind of cool because he's like connected to these two different women in that way. Yeah, she she always showed up when there was th- when it was threatened that he would find a love. Right. But if he finds a new mother that can produce herself tangibly, right. that's a huge threat to yeah. to mental mother. Yes, exactly. Mother, mother. Yeah. Can it be Mrs. Voorhees? That would be a fun crossover. Oh, my God. And they probably would, because these series all do that. They name every series has a character named Loomis in it. Like, they just, they all do that. I never really realized that that might be a reference to Psycho. Oh, yeah. The Mrs. Voorhees situation Mm -hmm. in, uh, spoiler alert. Right. Right. Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Why don't you give us your next one, Matt? Some new random star. Like Michael Caine in Jaws 4. Like, oh, uh, yeah, like somebody that we would recognize and yeah, know. Like, yeah, we yeah, need yeah. Well, we had somebody. Dennis Franz last time. Yeah, Dennis <laughs> Franz was Dennis in too, man. Yeah. And Jennifer Tilly's sister, Meg Tilly, yep. is like the lead of yep. Psycho 2. Yeah, but those aren't... They're not huge. That's yeah. like before they were stars, right? right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm picturing somebody who's like slumming it. Or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, some we money. also had Robert Loja. Yeah, Robert Loja. Robert Loja yeah. is in the other one, but yeah. he's also, yeah, that's not him slumming it. That's him doing Robert Loja. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But at that point, that probably was where he was at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Who would it be? When or what if it's yeah. like somebody, like we get like a young Gandolfini. Right, yeah. yeah. Like someone who just hasn't broken through yet and we're just, you know. Yeah, early role for somebody. That's cool. It's <laughs> just Gandalf- like Robert Redford. What, <laughs> what year is Psycho 3 from? I don't know, actually. I was about to ask the same question. And, uh, and the same for Psycho 2. Oh, so Psycho 2 was what, 83? 83. 83. Yep. Yeah, it's 23 years after the original Psycho. Oh, wow. Which was why Dan and I were like, how could this be any good? Like a twenty-three it years that late might sequel. Be what made that it might so be good why, yeah. is that you are divorced from the source material enough that you can play loose with it. Yeah. Psycho three is eighty-six. Okay, so this is just three years after that, and it does have Jeff weird. Fahey. Oh, there you go. So just saying, who's Jeff Fahey? Jeff Fahey was he was a lawnmower man. Yes, he was the cool ass pilot in Lost. Yep. he was. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> that's or Jeff Fahey. He's Jeff Fahey rules, but he, he I'll probably recognize. Him. I think he will. Yeah. Uh, but he's had a weird career. He's you know he just like pops up in weird genre stuff uh, right. here and there. Uh, Dan, why don't you hit us with your next one? So, now I'm just falling down a, uh, a Jeff Fahey role. It's funny because he's in like three real notable things, but he's also in about seven million things. Fahey, I love that man. <laughs> All right, so this one will become a more victim centric story with perhaps one potential victim trying to cure Norman. Oh, interesting. Because the first two are, he's the central character. The, yeah. the twist of the first one is that he's the central character right. and not uh, uh, Marion Crane. Marion Crane. And, um, Surprised which, I got pulled that. Yeah, you nailed nice. that. I was yeah. trying to think of her name, Janet Lee. Janet right? Lee, yeah. Um, she showed up. I was watching Halloween, uh, Halloween Water the other day, uh-huh. Halloween H2O, and she shows up. She's and not only, it? yes, she plays Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, co-worker, oh. but she has a line where she's like, if I may be sort of a mother to you for a second. <laughs> oh, that's that, right. With the car from Psycho <laughs> behind her, yeah. the Psycho music dips into the score, and she even has the line that references Halloween 1 where she scares her and goes, oh, I'm sorry. Well, it is Halloween. I guess we're all entitled to one good scare. <laughs> and it's it's beautiful. That's crazy. But, um, and yeah, I think foggy. that Yes, it is foggy as hell. I think that... Um, yeah, with the with the first two being all about Norman, yeah, and this being 1986, right in the heart of the slasher craze, I wonder if this one will be more about following a pool of potential victims 
and then this looming presence. Oh, that's of, interesting. Of yeah, Norman being, you know. Well, I had uh, kind of like Which the op- I don't I don't want that right. I, right. I actually specifically don't want that, but that was just a thought. Well, my my last prediction is kind of the inverse of that, and I think I would want this more than what you were saying. Which what I was thinking was based on Psycho Two. Mm. Um, uh, I don't want to ruin it too much for you, Matt, but Go based on it. Psycho Two. We kind of know that Norman actually has a good man inside of him. He has the potential to be fine. Yes. Mm. Um, what if Psycho 3 is about, now that the cycle has started again, the way that he's going to try and... It's not that he can break out of the cycle. It's that now he knows this is a cycle and he's stuck in it. Oh, he but can work what it. if he can kill for good? What if he can draw, quote-unquote, bad people into his motel yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and use his murderous ways to rid the world? You know, which is still All of your predictions arguably this bad. so far have just been season arcs of Dexter. That's Quite right. literally. Yeah, that's, Every that's single that's one so, of them. So falling in love, yeah. taking on a, uh, a protege, a protege yeah. uh, attracting people yeah. to, to kill. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't end like Dexter did, where it just it's so bad that it just ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. But you know. don't spoil Dexter for me. <laughs> oh, I, I'll spoil it so far as just to say, but if more you so stop than you just at, se- at season four, you have a great finale to a phenomenal show. But the next five seasons are collectively some of the worst television that has ever been created. Wow. <laughs> it is so fucking five terrible. Five gas leak seasons of, yeah. of a, yeah, a respected yeah. show. It was terrible. It, it it's they, it had the Green Day effect where the the bad was so bad that I can't even enjoy the good anymore. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. mean the Simpsons effect? Yes, the <laughs> Simpsons effect. Right? I just don't want to do it. Yes, yeah. that's a good. Remember point. when Green Day was on the Simpsons? It was like ah! perfect coupling. <laughs> that's a good point, though. Uh, I think the original Psycho has a whole lot about uh, Marion Crane being a good person or a bad person, right. and just when she becomes a good person again, she gets punished for yes. being a bad person. Uh, a la those uh, scream rules. Yep. Uh, picking up on some of those themes and and moving them into the threequel yeah. could be interesting. Well, and there's a there's a a small plot point in two that they barely even address that the person who has taken over the the motel in the meantime is just letting like drug addicts use the motel to just like hang out and lay low and and so best west sort of destroy it, you know. Uh, and Norman, cl- yeah, and Norman clearly doesn't like that. Like Norman is really not into that idea, mm-hmm. and and so like uh, by the way, I'm I'm like very aware that this doesn't actually make Norman good because this is Norman judging what he thinks is good or bad about people and deciding to kill. You know, in in my prediction here, where it's Norman decides to use his killing for good, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to kill quote unquote bad people. That's Norman deciding who is bad and who is good. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. still bad, but it, you know, in the <sighs> That's something that Dexter was about to explore, and then they just threw it away. Yeah. That's so interesting. It is so it's interesting. The idea of who makes you the arbiter right. of good and evil, you murderer. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's yeah. such a good... And that's something that's so universally topical at all times, where it's, as we all try and figure out the ways to interact with one another, there's no set of rules without an arbiter, and then it becomes who is the arbiter. Yeah. And it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so worth exploring. And yeah. That would be very cool. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. Matt, you got uh, one more for us? My last one is boring direction. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I could see the first one being, you know, good, Uh obviously. The second one being, like, experimental in different ways. I didn't know that, like, three decades passed in between. Yes. Uh, And then the third one being, like, eh, just... Churn it out. Mm. Well, in Perkins, the direction of the second one's actually it's actually pretty really sharp. Good, yeah. yeah, 
Who directed the second clever. one? Oh, um, what's his name? He's like done a, a bunch of stuff. Constantine Pantacos? <laughs> no. no I, uh, it would, honestly, I would like to see his Psycho, though. I, I would very much sure. like to see that guy's Psycho sequel. Richard uh, Franklin. Yeah, Richard Franklin, director. right. And he did, uh, what did we discover he did? He had directed a couple of things that were interesting. Because um, it was written by the guy who wrote Fright Night, the Child's Play series. Like, Psycho 2 has like actually a pretty decent pedigree of creative huh. talent behind it. This guy has directed nothing that I recognize. Really? I thought there was one thing that we... There was like... The one. TV show Beauty and the Beast. Oh. He did FX2 with Brian Dennehy. Ooh, the um, better of the two. <laughs> yes. And, um, Brian Dennehy, who came into the Chili's I used to yeah. work at once. That's like it. Interesting. I, I thought we. He's the most up... known for Hotel Sorrento, aka Sorrento Beach. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. For some reason, no, I he's not we picked up on something. It stars Joan Plowright. What does? <laughs> Hotel Sorrento. Hotel Sorrento oh, oh, oh. stars Joan. Uh, aka Mrs. Wilson from the Dennis the Menace Woo! movie with Walter Matthau. Sweet. <laughs> Oh, she's so much more than that. She is so much more than that. You got one more prediction for us, Dan? I do. I think there's going to be a Norman Bates suicide attempt. Whoa. He's going to realize that he is unsavable, and he's yeah. going to go for a suicide attempt and say, if I can't get rid of Mother, I can get rid of the vessel that contains her, which is me. Yeah. And I think that's going to be that's going to be the thing that potentially redeems him before we dip into four is that it'll be a lucid moment of, yes, there's, there's going to be part four. The fact that there's like eight more of these oh, yeah. blows my mind. When a, and a made-for-TV one with right. Bud Court. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's right. Bud Court's in the TV one. Bud Court? Yes. Bud Court. Uh, Harold and Maude. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking uh, Eddie Munster. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's no, his no, name. No. Uh, uh, he's got a name that's similar to that. Yeah. But either way, yeah, I, I think that in a, a suicide attempt will be the way that the script makes it so that he is somebody with the potential for empathy. He is somebody who understands good and bad and is trapped by a condition as opposed to a villain himself. Yeah. And, you know, mileage on that is going to vary based on how they do it. But if he goes for the self-sacrifice, you can certainly earn a uh, late-in-the-game fourth movie out of that in my book. Yeah. If I was writing it, that would be something that would be on my, my marker board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? That's a good What point. other non-Psycho movies would you throw into the Psycho world? How what do you mean? mean? Uh, like, say, the movie Identity. Do you know mm. that one? I yeah. love Identity. You could see that as, like, a weird offshoot oh, yeah. of oh, Psycho. Sure, sure. And I wonder if there's any others that are like, yeah. Uh, you could even argue Fight Club. Oh yeah, sure. um, that's great. Fight sure. Club could be a thing. Absolutely. I think um that was more super I was thinking the others, but that's more supernatural. Mm, yeah. But um, I, I could see where you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's just it, see now I'm just thinking in terms of, of unreliable narrators. I guess yeah. the obvious choice is American Psycho. Yeah. Because even by the end, neither we nor he knows whether what he's doing is what he's doing or if this is all fantasy. Yeah. Or if it's a mix of the two. Um Yeah, really really any of those. Maybe uh, Heavenly Creatures. I haven't seen that. That's Peter Jackson, that right? Yeah. yeah, I've heard that's great. You should see that. Yeah, that's um, Kate Winslet, right? Uh, yeah. And oh, and what's her name from? Uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, uh, I'm Melanie just Linsky? madly in love with Mel- yeah. Melanie Linsky. Yeah. She's yeah. great in it. She's so and good. She was like love I don't her. know, twelve or something in it. Jesus, mm-hmm. like yeah. it's you know New Zealand, which is where yeah, she's right. from, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's you know based on the true story. It has all of these weird. Like I, it's it, in a weird way, it's probably more similar to Bates Motel, mm-hmm. uh, the show, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, <laughs> the TV movie with Bud Court, Eightquel, mm-hmm. uh, that you guys all talk about. Um, it has similar themes, 
and in a weird way, uh, hints back at Psycho. Huh. Cool. Interesting. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I'm going to, th- when we get back from watching the movie, I'll probably have like three more movies to answer your question with. Because that is a really you. interesting concept. Identity is probably the best it, answer, it though. Well, identity directly references it. They're yes. literally yeah, yeah. in uh, an imaginary Bates Motel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story of it also. The Boy, Best Marigold Hotel, is that another one that uh, is oh, exotic, a parallel exotic to? Exotic Marigold Hotel. Is that Hotel? what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, with, with my boy, uh, uh, oh, why can't I think of his name now? Uh, I don't know. I love him. I think he's such a good it. actor. Um, yeah, whatever. I was just thinking of hotel movies. Oh, oh. It's, it's the guy from the guy <laughs> from Slumdog Millionaire. Really <laughs> and I was really fascinated by Oh, Dev Patel? Dev Patel. He's, yeah. he's the best. He's, yeah. he's on the island. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, definitely yeah, on the yeah, island. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's uh, that. That would not apply. I'm sorry. Yeah, those are those oh, okay. are lovely okay. romantic comedies for okay. the senior. What crowd. about Hotel for Dogs? Um, in that you'd have to be psycho to spend money <laughs> oh, okay, on it. All right, Certainly. Okay. All right. Oh, there's a movie. A movie called Motel Hell, which I've tried Ooh. to watch. So eight it's good. Times. I've seen no. Motel Hell. It's not good. <laughs> it's it's notoriously kind of low quality, uh, but it's on TV a lot. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I've seen it, and I'll put it on, and then I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah, mm. Fair. Well, Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> yeah. Probably honestly, I was avoiding making that. That that was the one hotel That's why movie. I'm here, baby. I thought, of it, I thought <laughs> that every time I went to say another hotel movie, and I was like, no, 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 not that one. Oh, you got to. <laughs> you got to. Hotel Artemis. Yeah, That's yeah, probably yeah, in there. Yeah. You know. All right, let's take our break. Let's go watch Psycho 3 and come back and see how we do with our predictions. But we should watch Hotel for Dogs instead. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, let's All do right. that. Let's see how our predictions apply to that. <laughs> it's spot on. Movie, movie. Bone Tomahawk. We're Welcome back. back, everybody. We just watched Psycho 3. Hell yeah. Wow. I, that is a weird-ass movie. It's weird as hell. I liked it. Yeah, I, I re- did like it. I actually it. really liked it. Uh, it's, uh, it's no Psycho. It's no Psycho 2. Uh, but uh, uh, Perkins brings his own flavor to it and makes Psycho Three his own he's thing. A director, yeah, he's I, a, he's very smart about the choices. Uh, he's he understands pacing quite well. Yeah. He understands blocking quite well. Yeah. There's a lot of humor that comes through solely in the edit and in, in his the blocking. Direction, yeah, and that is it, it's just funny that it. I'm getting the sense that Anthony Perkins is kind of a silly guy. Yeah. And in hindsight, looking back at Psycho, that might be the key to why it works yeah. and why he's so odd. And and um, the kind of sympathy that he brings with him, right? Yeah. There's, uh, it turns out he has a warm sense of humor or something, right? And that maybe mm. comes through in Norman somehow. So we, we are able to derive some sympathy for him, you know, which ends up being really key to this entry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you guys think of it overall? Was yeah, it, was I'm, it... I'm curious about your opinion, Matt, because you have not seen Psycho 2. Right. Uh, and I don't know, you know, where you fall on the, like Dan and I are, are the type to um, get into long discussions about like Friday the 13th part eight uh, and how much we enjoy. That's the one where he goes to Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't yeah. call it Friday the 13th Part 8. <laughs> yeah, that's Jason, Jason Takes, takes Manhattan. Manhattan. You have to call that's it true. Jason Takes Manhattan. That's true. Uh, but you the know. boombox. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. When he pulls the mask up and scares yeah. the little kids. We're the type that, like, stuff. we like a movie like that, you know? Uh, and I would yeah, say... But you, but you have low expectations. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I had pretty low expectations <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, okay. for Psycho yeah. 3. And, pre- like, r- right off the bat, I yeah. was impressed directorially. Yes. Uh knowing that uh the actor was stepping behind yeah. the camera as the director yeah and as it went through i was like wow i there was a a bunch of really interesting cuts and 
framing and yeah. uh, I thought in choices. I thought in particular the way he framed Norman in a lot of shots was like really interesting and cool. Mm. There's there's like quite a few shots where he captures him like directly in the middle of the frame, but then does some really nice balancing with like mirrors mm. on different sides of him. He is aping Hitchcock a little yeah. bit, but I mean, yeah. why wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he saw this yeah. done before. He does direct references to quite a few mm. of the shots in the original movie. And you think too, at this point, the Hitchcock film was 26 years old. Right. So his influence had already moved into horror. Oh, yeah. And so there, there was just a lot to play with, and he grasped so much of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think it's cool, too, that, like, I think it's important that Anthony Perkins directed this one. Yeah. Because this is the first one where Norman doesn't function as an unreliable narrator to us. Right. Um, we are seeing things from his point of view, and then the only irony that we have on his behalf is we can see where he's... Uh, we can see the seams between him and mother, whereas yeah. that's not so clear to him. He, and so we watch him struggle that uh, struggle that way and be sort of an unreliable narrator to himself. So I, I think having Perkins as the director does help with that. It does, Well, because it's taking a bit of a step off of the second one, because the second one gives us quite a bit of sympathy for Norman. You know, mm. it lets us in on this idea that like. Norman is a victim to himself, you know? Uh, is, is it from his point of view, the, in a way? The second one, it seems like it more, but then as it's the... It's about him more yes. directly. Like, he's the main character, but yeah. he doesn't function as an audience right. surrogate. Okay. Um, this one, he's an audience surrogate, yeah. because only for the first 10 minutes are we really following someone else's story mm-hmm. in the way that you would be associated with a character that's your surrogate. And, uh, yeah, this one, we are on the ride with Norman, in uh, two, we're like in the same room as Norman. Yeah. But we don't know. And the what, first one is very. And the first one, yeah. I mean, that's the big thing objective. is that it's suddenly about Norman halfway through. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's about Marion up yeah. until the, know, the second shower. one does a similar kind of trick almost by making you think that it's a more Norman centric movie. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through, it, it's not that it's not Norman centric, but, but it's not. It, we're not on Norman's journey yeah. with him. We're watching. We're watching through other characters his story. Yeah. Okay. Whereas this one, I think we're watching it through him. Yeah. Because two, a lot, of, and there's you know ten, fifteen twists and turns throughout. Yeah. And all of them hinge upon the fact that neither we nor Norman really know what mm-hmm. the deal is mm-hmm. with with mother. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. a little bit of information like that the maybe the there's actually maybe this yeah. isn't Norman doing this. Yeah. Right. You know maybe there's there's other factors in play. But in this one, we are, you know, and so like we're watching Norman, meand- you know, go through that. That's the main story arc, but we're not experiencing it with him. We're trying to solve the yeah. the mystery despite yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this one, I don't think there's very much there's, mystery. Yeah. But it's it's his experience, and we're we're experiencing it with him. Yes. For a second, so. I was waiting. Uh, in in about three quarters of the way through, yeah. uh, Norman starts to lose his grip, and he he's surprised by what's mother what mother is doing, yes. and. Mm-hmm. Wait, what happened? And where's the body? And uh, seems to be losing time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a cut where uh, he goes from one place to another place, and it, you could read it as he's going crazy. Yeah, because he's more so. He's like it's a great h- directorial flair really that links two scenes. Yeah, but it also does suggest the beginning of the the loss of time yeah. that that he's experiencing right. when he Tyler Durden's out. He's right. like in the hospital, right? And then he like walks out of the hospital room, and suddenly he's just in his house, mm. right? Yeah. And it was really cool, but uh, as more things like that kind of yes. happen, at the end, when uh, Fahey steals the body, uh, I'm like, wait, 
did Fahey dress up as mother and kill yeah, that yeah. girl? Oh, interesting. And I was like waiting for that to be that pass the baton. I was thinking the same thing that yeah. I uh, had mentioned, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's go there. What about so from our predictions? Like, where do we feel like things kind of landed and and hit with us and and didn't hit with us? I was trying to track it throughout, and I think we all touched upon. I was going to say upon one or two things that really stuck because there's to some extent there is the this is kind of a remake of Psycho for a little while. Mm. Yeah, yeah there, go through yours. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, it's there. I, I would say at least for like the first half hour, you kind of feel like you're watching the events start to repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. As it gets into the back half, it definitely strays from that a little bit, but mm. the, I think it had a little bit of that feel. My idea about him meeting a kindred spirit and falling for her is not quite what happens, but he does... Still brought that love interest into yeah, it heavier than in other ones. Absolutely, and that allows it to dip into the sort of psychosexual nature of, of uh, uh, Norman a little more than the other movies have. The other movies have have been there, but have not like been so specific about it. I think this movie dips into being very specifically... He's never put into like a sexual situation right. in any of the other ones, and in this one, He's he sees porn, he almost has it. sex, and, it be- and it's yeah. very clear that... like. Before it was suggested, and he kisses a dead body, and he kisses yes, a dead yeah. body. Uh, before it was, it was suggested. <laughs> Fahey kisses a dead body too. Actually, yeah, that's true. But um, did he? Yeah, he, yeah, he kisses his mother the, on the, the body. Oh, that, yeah, wow, it was so gross. Yeah. That but, was um, maternal. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, okay. So interesting. You say that before the relationship between uh, mother and Norman, they never went deeper in the fact that. It was mother who did not approve of her little boy dating. Right. And anyone that threatened to take her boy away from her was was a threat to her and had to be taken yeah. out. And so, you know, we could intuit that it was Norman's sexual frustrations, issues, whatever, that this manifests through. But that was never... It wasn't so explicit. It was always through the lens of how mother feels feels about these women. Yeah. And so now it's still the same dynamic. Mother pops up when they pop up, mm-hmm. but we now see it through <laughs> Norman's, yeah, through Norman's <laughs> lens. And I just immediately had a vision of the knife boner from, oh, from Mandy. Whew. But uh <laughs> you gotta see this you movie. Man. Me. But um the uh and that's like that's like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing. Yeah. But it's not like a movie where you're like, oh, it's fucked up. Um, it's pretty fucked up. Though. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> the sexual stuff in this though is through Norman's eyes, yeah. so thusly it can be a you know more specifically about his libido. Yeah, we we can see how s- this movie makes it much more explicit that somebody like Marion Crane walking into his life mm. activated some sort of uh, he had sex. It's had basically some sort we intuited it before, yeah. but this, this movie confirms it. About it. Yeah, yeah, it confirms exactly. it. Yeah. yeah. And um, I wonder how what that says about actual like serial killers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the book that the original was based on was about or closely related to Ed Gein. Ed Gein, yeah, Gein. Yep. Um, He's like the Beatles of serial killers. Every yeah, movie yeah. like that has a somewhat based on a true story is usually referential to Ed yeah. Gein. Yeah, or God like bless him, Jack the Ripper. Or yeah, 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 yeah. The lesser known H. H. Holmes. That's right, H. Yep. H. Holmes. He was executed. Uh, at the where the Acme in South Philly is now, that used Whoa, to be really? the Moyamensing Prison. And that is where he was hanged. Oh, Holy it wasn't an Acme shit. at the time. No, it was not an Acme at the time. Um, That's no. crazy. I didn't <laughs> know that about great. that location. Yeah, there's even a sign up front that you know, like the little yeah, historical those signs? little yeah. historical signs. Dude, Devil in the White City is a cool book. Oh, real cool. Oh, book. I didn't know that was about H. H. Holmes. Yeah, it's about the World's Fair and his death hotel. Oh. real cool. But honestly, the most interesting things about it is the World's Fair. Yeah, it's so cool. Huh. And but that's here or that's in Chicago? That's in Chicago. Okay. But he came here. And was eventually, you know, they caught up to him. Okay. So. I've heard numerous uh, 
suggestions to read mm. that book. I've got to get around to it's it. It's good. It's real good. But I, I feel like we derailed what you were saying there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forget what I was <laughs> saying. Ed Gein, Ed Gein uh, the source just material. Just I wonder if, you know, seeing uh, this fictional example of how uh, past trauma yep. mm. can trigger somebody to commit heinous acts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I just finished reading Zodiac, mm-hmm. and in it, every every like psychologist that they talk to refers to him, quote-unquote, as a sexual sadist, mm-hmm. meaning that... Violence and murder is what gets gets him off. Yeah, um, he doesn't even have to to orgasm or anything. Just the act of doing it is what triggers that that thrill. Yeah, and you know I think media like that, media like this, it is a uh, whether it's true to life or not. You know, I mean Zodiac was based on a real person, but we did never catch the guy, so we we can't confirm anything. Um, it's just it's kind of like in the same way that we love sharks eating people, mm-hmm. we love our serial killers to have some sexual reason to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's like ingrained in the media, and I, I just don't know how much of that is real or not. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in the case of Zodiac, all the professionals say that he was probably into it. Yeah. But like in in H. H. Holmes, we don't really know. We don't yeah. know what his what his methodology was. Right. But we love that tie. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal Lecter, uh, uh, Buffalo Bill, you know, yeah, both yeah. of them have that, you know, sex and death being tied together or yes, something. Exactly. That, uh, Why not just tack it on? Yeah, well, mm. it's just it, it they they are they're off, intertwined. They're often connected in in media, even in basically. a cheap slasher. You yeah. fuck, you die. That's yep. you know they right. they are intertwined. It's life yeah. and death. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Life and death. That's mm. yeah. It's uh. So I don't know what uh prediction wise though. Where where are we my at? prediction that it will suck. I would say is wrong. I would yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I, I like this quite a bit. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. It, I wouldn't call it a, some amazing classic. No, but no. It certainly wouldn't put it on the suck level. No, no. It's but, not as bad as many third entries yeah. in sequels. You know, franchises that sequelize seminal films. You know, it's, yeah. it's this would be in that catalog of movies where I'd be like, oh, you've never seen the third or fourth or fifth entry in so-and-so, that one's crazy. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. see that one. This oh. one is crazy. Can you think of any examples? Uh, I mean, I think I, Halloween 3 is the best example yeah. because well, that movie yeah. is very good. It's just, it's kind of a it's cheat. Just, to is this a Halloween? Just not, yeah. yeah. Well, like... Uh, this should have done anthology. <clears throat> a lot of people talk about, like, Friday the 13th Part 4 as, like, mm. one of the best parts of that series. Which and it, one is that? That's the one with Crispin Glover. Uh, and so it's the one that is, like pretty heightened it's real cheesy and like kind of knows it's real cheesy and does a lot of really fun weird and it's following the 3d entry too yeah so it's yeah. like going a different yeah. i know yeah. the 3d one a lot more than i know four and then five where it's not even him mm. i think that's five yeah and then, and then there's six is six pass the baton to uh cory feldman or is that five um, um that's that's actually four is the one that Feldman is in, but that character is then in five and six. And six. Okay. In six, a different actor playing him so four yeah. is tries the one to with, stab his with corpse and lightning wakes him up. Seven is the one seven with telekinesis. telekinesis. Yeah. There's a seven, reason why I never... Fucks. That yeah. movie's good. Yeah, so like seven actually would be a good example of like yeah. a, a, a sequel where it's like, it's look, it's not great, but it's wild. It's pretty wild, like it's, yeah. It, you know, you should The, the you 3D Saw movie, Saw 7, yeah. I think it yeah. is. Like those movies are just, they're just ridiculous yeah and and i i love them for different reasons but some of them are like real shitty but like yeah. seven's the one where i'm like you want that's like pretty well yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> it's yeah pretty cool yeah uh and that, that that's where psycho three would fall for me somewhere in there oh, and, yeah. I, and i actually probably like it even a little bit better than some of those movies we're comparing it to i liked it better than most of the friday the 13th sequels yeah, i just have love for them yeah exactly the friday the 13th sequels have no um oh man this is gonna sound so insulting but like 
the artistic value isn't necessarily there as much they as have the different f- aims. fun of the series is there for me. This legit is like a cool looking, well made movie. Mm. You know, it's I not think like the rebooting best movie, Psycho but... in the eighties is a response to hey, big name killers are back. Michael Myers, yeah. Freddy, Jason. Yeah. We have one in our back pocket. We've got Norman Bates. Yeah, and so they're using that trend, but yeah. not quite going into that trend. Right. They're not. They're not you know, they're, they're cruising on that trend without becoming it. But I think it's because the big difference is, like, Norman is an actual character and personality mm. in his stories, whereas all the other killers we're talking about, I guess other than Freddy, probably, like... Even yeah. Freddy, though, he's kind of a one-note right, character. Right, exactly. There's there's not you real rarely depth even to see those them characters. in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're more yeah. like the shark and Jaws. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, Bruce! Yeah. Which I think does give this series, like, actually a little more elevation than the other ones. Oh, for absolutely. Me, you know? But also, <laughs> Psycho 1 is at a higher elevation oh, yeah. than friday the 13th one a- absolutely or, i yeah. don't know so because I mean, original psycho, psycho is higher than halloween but halloween sequel came three four years yeah. later so 20 years there's a reverence for it that i think they're at least attempting to honor and yeah. you know doing as, as well of a job as i think is could be reasonably expected yeah um I thought we were going to get the protege that I was talking about with Fahey, but it didn't yeah. quite go there. See, I thought it, it was, was going to be the nun. There. It was kind of hinted at, yeah. but then not culminated. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a similar thing about that. I n- thought it was going to be the nun, nun was going to be like, listen, fuck God. Right, <laughs> Let's I know. do this. You know? I kind of thought that's what they were doing with the religious background of her character and the yeah. way she sees Norman as Mary. I was like, oh, maybe this is going to turn into something where, like, her religious past acts as acts as a past trauma for her mm. in the same way that Norman has this past mm, trauma. Yeah. And I do think they were trying to parallel those characters in that kind of way, but they never built it to where like and yeah, then she, she steps over the line that she starts Norman's dressing up as an old as well. nun right, and starts yeah, killing yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's way better than the the fucking nun. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Was that terrible? It was pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. See, it seemed I the, the you know it wasn't even like bad to the point where you're like oh this is fucking bad. It yeah. was just like this is nothing. This is a bland thing. Yeah. When I saw the preview thing. for Annabelle, I was like, come on. Yeah. But yeah. then when I saw the preview for nun, I was like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the way to. Do, although the nun is played by the spooky bum from uh, Mulholland Drive, right. so that's cool. But I, I've seen some people that are big Hammer horror fans. I love Hammer like horror, and I didn't like you it. Didn't like it okay. because. The difference is Hammer Horror has sets. This was all yeah. shot in a green garbage truck in Georgia <laughs> and just painted gray. Yeah. It was gray gravy. Yeah. And and <laughs> there was there was just no there was no uh, continuity to it. It was just kind of like people would wander into a scene and then nuns would yeah. and then they'd uh, and it just nothing meant anything. There was there was very little style and I think that, as I understand nunsploitation and hammer horror, there is a requirement that they pop a little bit. Yeah. There, there is a little bit of an edge, and this just felt so much like a product. Yeah. And that didn't work for me. Yeah. And it was just, it was a, it was a, a, what I think would be kind of a, a ramshackle product. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but there's a couple things that are neat, but, yeah. you know, and that kind of relates to my house. That kind of relates to uh, Psycho 3 here. Mm. Um, I thought one of my predictions was that the, uh, direction would be boring. Yeah. Some of the parts that were boring where you kind of like, you know, which character am I following here? Yeah. Who am I supposed to be kind of identifying with? There isn't that um POV character. Yeah. Um it kind of worked for the story that was being told. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the the movie could have been redone or re-edited to follow the reporter. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Character. Yep. Um, 
and in sort of a uh, Dr. Loomis in Halloween mm-hmm. way or in Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween way. Yeah. Or uh, any of the camp counselors that any of the camp counselors get <laughs> yeah. killed. Yeah. Well, that movies. was one of my predictions. I thought this was going to be more victim centric. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it ultimately was not. And I there, mean, was, there a, was more victims in it, but. There was, was a moment where it could have been too, and yeah. I thought oh, it was yeah. going to go there. It, was it an, looked like at the the homecoming parties, the party came. It was yeah. going to be a, a uh, classic a slasher. But yeah. you're right; we could have followed that reporter just witnessing this and trying to figure it out. We could have followed the nun just dipping in and out of it. Yep. But we do ultimately follow Norman. Yeah, and I guess the original Psycho kind of does that too, where yes. for uh, the beginning you're following Marion, mm. and then you're following Norman, and you're like, oh, this feels weird. Now I'm in his shoes. Yeah. And then it steps out and follows um, the sister, sister yep. mm-hmm. um, and kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, and two does a similar thing where you're tracking kind of like dip, you kind of dip in and out of various characters. I think POVs. this one goes to Norman pretty quickly. It though. does. Yeah. We do get that opening because I think this is also leaning a little further into the '80s slasher. Is having the car in the rain. Yeah, the woman getting picicked up on the side of the road. Um, we're now post Omen. So yeah. we have that great church scene at the beginning. Yeah. Because um, I think that's another thing with third entries, they will often go a little more supernatural or at least invoke the notion of like larger forces of good yeah. versus evil. Yeah. Or whatever else is out very, there. Or whatever you know, else is out there. Yeah. There was a popular telekinesis movie. Let's give one of the characters oh, yeah. telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or this or that is popular. Let's include that in. Mm. Yep. That was actually one. when I remember when you went through all the Friday the Thirteenth. The telekinesis one ends up being this weird like condemnation of like ah they're a bunch of shrinks. Yeah, you know it has this weird like anti psychology bend to it that was normal at the time. Yeah, and it's right. it's very funny that they that they go that way. Yeah, and it's like ultimately all they're trying to do is make a Carrie versus Jason movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. in doing so, for some reason, they feel the need to take down psychology like <laughs> yeah. as a whole. You know, like this is bad for everybody. No yep. one should do this. That uh, that movie is like weird, it's wild, weirdly reprehensible, and it's like treatment of that. The Scientologists probably had a hand in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very likely. This, but yeah, I think this one was out of all of them, the least interested in trying to fool us into thinking it's not about Norman. Agreed. You yeah, know, it was it was very open to us about Norman, but less open to Norman about Norman. Yeah, which is key because one of the things about these movies that is so important is that we do root for Norman. Mother has to be a somewhat tangible character, yeah. and in the first entry, we don't know. Yeah, you know, we know because it's it's old, yeah. but we don't know if we're a fresh audience. We don't know what the nature of yeah. mother is, so we just you know. In the second one, we know what the nature of mother is, but due to the way circumstances are going down, there has to be something more than just this delusion of mother. It doesn't yes. add up if it's just her. Yeah. So there's a mystery there, and we can be alongside Norman in that mystery. But by three, he's killed a lot of people. Yes. So we have to make him empathetic. And in the only way to do that is to let us in entirely. Which is kind of cool. Like, it, I don't know that you could... Like, the fact that Psycho 2 pulled off the trick it pulled off mm. was amazing to me. Because I was like, you can't pull off the trick they pull off in Psycho again. Mm-hmm. And Psycho 2 finds a way to do that, essentially. I really don't think you can do it again. No. And I'm kind of glad that this one doesn't even try. That <laughs> instead it does just focus on Norman and go, look, he's been laid bare by these last two movies. Now we really know the trick of Norman and how this works with it. We kind of know how this works with him and Mother. Mm-hmm. Let's just investigate but that. We do get to witness A, the transition between yep. him and Mother, and B, the 
we get to witness that he is captive of mother to yes. some degree, at yeah. least from his point of view, yeah. because there are points where we get to watch him no longer exist. Yep. And even though he is our character, when he slips into mother, we lose Norman. Yep. Um, he doesn't get that. Yep. And we see that he doesn't get that, yep. which buys the empathy, which is it's crazy to think that, you know, we watch him kill people even as Norman this time. Yes. He kills people and. It, and, that's and a really still smart have, I mean, I, did, did you feel like sympathy for Norman throughout this movie? I'm I'm curious if other, if like uh, but uh, to the degree that it doesn't divorce you from the script to be following him. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think I th- that's really where I'm I at. I think that you see him as a victim. Right. Of yes. This insane situation. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I feel too. That's then, the that's the the amount of empathy that you can feel yes, for a exactly. character like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that that's what we were talking about. And that, um, that's how I feel about it. Where it's like. The reason this movie work, the reason all three of these movies work ultimately is like you do feel some sort of sympathy for Norman, and it's not it's not that you don't recognize that he's uh, a murderer, and, and uh, but you feel like he's a victim to himself, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is a crazy. Th- I don't know. That's such a well, tight rope to, to the, walk. The town has been in both the this movie yes, and the previous yeah. one very charitable yeah, to yeah. the innocence of of Norman. Yes. Um, even like the head cops, just like, oh, he's suffered enough. And you know, I, I, it, that's a tough thing to get on board with. If this was from the point of view of the reporter, any audience member would be like, "No, just lock him up. Yeah. It's good. Yep. You don't have evidence, but it is good enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, get him. Yeah. It's good enough. Yep. He's he's definitely doing it. There's no other way. Yep. Um, if we told it just through the nun's perspective, a little bit later in the game, we'd still be going, "Just lock him up. He yeah. definitely did it." But this one, like when when the cops eating the bloody ice, yeah. Um, even at that point, as we're watching Norman cover it up, you're just like, ah, well, you know, it's not his fault. These yeah. cops are right; they don't really have anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you get a little bit, even knowing you did it. Yeah, that's not easy. It's I know it's it's wild. I think that you these can movies see that he that feels bad about. Yes. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's you know that's an interesting thing that these movies are trying to do. I, I don't think these movies are are really trying to make any kind of major arguments about it, but it is no, an interesting no. thing that they're they're trying to do, which is is show us a guy who is is a victim to his own uh, uh, brain, basically. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and, and you buy into this idea that like he wants to be good, like he he wants to be a better person than this, but he can't. He's suffering. Even you know? at the end of this, he has that moment where they're locking him up, and he says, "Oh, but I'm free. Yeah, I'm free. Right. I'm out of this house. Yeah, that's yeah. like." Do you think the ending undercut the whole point I, of the movie? I actually do. I. How th- do you mean? So well, okay. So the the line when he says, "Yes, I'm getting. Yes, you're locking me up, but now I'm free." I was like, "What a great ending!" Mm. Because that is that that I that is a good thing for Norman to go through, which is. If Norman just killed Mother, which is what we see him do, right? He, he cuts the body of Mother up to pieces. Right. To him, that seems to be killing Mother. Mm. To, so Also, the third time he's killed Mother. Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but this time, but I don't think we've ever seen him kill the dead body of the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the moniker he's using of Mother, you mm-hmm. know? In doing that and then saying the line, but now I'm free, what I took that as is him implying... I've rid myself of mother. Yeah. Like, so I'm free now. I'm free of the influence of mother on my life. So although I'll be locked up, which is fine with me, being being free of her will be a kind of freedom that I have been wanting my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I read that a different way where it was just like, get me away from this place. If you keep me away from this, I won't turn back to mother again. Oh, interesting. Because like, I think he, he does understand that 
because of the experience in two, he does understand that mother's not real. Yeah. But when that urge comes back, he he can't fight it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're just remo- like he he recognizes that he is being removed from his triggers because twenty years away he was cured. Yeah. He got in that house within two days. Shit was going down. Yeah. Granted, we know in two that wasn't entirely his fault. Yeah. But. If all it takes is a poke, was he really cured? Yeah. And that's, you know. Well, and that makes the last shot make a little more sense to me because the way I read, read it was way. when he was saying, like, I'm free, he was saying I'm free of mother. Mm. But then the last shot is him pulling her arm out and petting the arm. And it's like, well, then you're, well, no, you're not free of mother, dude. Mm-hmm. You're still trapped by it. Yeah. So which could have just been them trying to give it a, a sort of ironic tragedy to the end, right? That he's, It's a sequel tag. It's, yeah. you know, even if, if a sequel's not intended yet, it's just a thing. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a, it, that is a horror thing. Yeah, that's a horror thing. I think it would have been a lot classier if it ended without that. Yes. Oh, I would agree. And and much more polish and much more like, oh, wow, that really says something. Yeah. And doesn't then say the opposite of it. Yeah. Yeah. A second later. Yeah. Although but it could also be read, too. I mean, because I read it as like he said he's free, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and arguably when he gets to the asylum, they're going to remove that arm from him. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. That's just the last the last grasp of mother to have a, a hold of him as they take him away. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a million ways to read it. Mostly. I think it's just meant to be read as the moment at the end of the horror movie where the bad guy's eyes open. Oh up yeah. And it's yes. not actually over. That's a hundred. That's all it is doing. to me, yeah. but it is weird with all the different reads. It can yeah. run antithetical to it or, you know, congruent to it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's interesting because I did, I felt the same way you did, man. When that, when that final shot came up, I was like, ah, this undercuts what I was just like feeling about that last scene. But that's only because I read that that mm. scene that way. Um, but I think it still undercuts, even if you read it the way I did, where it was just he's he's happy to be. Although, okay, here's a third reading. Yeah, uh, maybe he just knows that this is unfightable, and he's honestly saying to them, "At least I'll be locked up." Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm free yeah. because there's going to be no one for me to kill. Yeah, there's going to be. I I am no longer in control. I can give up control because you're in control now. You know, yeah, like that kind of a thing. Like you're in charge. I. What am I going to do? Yeah. Break out? Nah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, can we but talk- I mean, it could also just be a dumbass movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, well, and I don't. Need, I actually that, don't you know, think it's a dumbass movie. I don't movie, think so either. But, but I mean, like, it's just it's the yeah. slasher thing. Yeah. I do want to just read, I think, a couple of these I got right. One was Norman fully embraces his dual personalities and enjoys killing for once. No. Right. Uh, Norman begins it, interacting it, with people as mother. Yes. Yeah, that does happen finally, um, which we've never seen happen before. Become more victim centric with perhaps one potential victim trying to cure Norman. And eh, not really. There's a little bit There's of a little bit more but character. A little bit of Fahey. A little bit of Fahey. Yeah. Bates suicide attempt. Not accurate, but he does suppress mother with self-harm. Yeah. He does grab the knife and mm-hmm. slam it. Yeah. And that's great because he has the bandages at the end. Yeah. He's doing the oh, thing. I didn't catch that. And then the other thing I said that it would be darker. And I think it's a little darker than the second one, but really only in the way that it feels slightly more slashery. That's, yeah. yeah. It also has it like... It still has the same sense of humor. I was going to say, and then maybe even more amplified. So like, yeah, I, I, yeah. while the darkness is being amplified, so is the lightness of touch. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I would yeah. agree. Um... Uh, can we talk about the reporter character? Because oh, she, she might have been great. my favorite character. She in was the a movie. badass. Yeah, I loved the scene in the bar where Fahey is like trying to hit on her, and she's just dunking on him. Mm. And the bartender happens to be a woman too, so like her and the bartender just lock eyes as she's like dunking on Fahey. It just kind of like, yeah, this is how you handle a dude like this. Well, it's just like I've seen this guy a million times. Yeah, and I know exactly how to handle this yeah. shit. Yeah. This fucking asshole. Yeah, because Fahey is a piece. Oh, he's a slime. Of shit, he sucks. <laughs> 
I mean, he's great at it, but oh, it, yeah. I mean, he just that character sucks. He's a, a piece of shit. Yeah, he's and it's interesting to compare him to Norman. Yes, mm. where one character is is a victim, like we were talking about, yeah. uh, and not in control of the terrible things he does. Yes, and uh, the other is like, yeah, screw it, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. Right on purpose, a- and is generally recognized by the rest of society as like one of the boys. Yeah, that's you know, true. He's as just a part of the boys. Whereas, club. true, Norman is sick, and uh, w- which is true, but like, you know what I mean? It's yep. like they, they're there's. Not the appropriate parallel drawn between Fahey's character and Norman, mm-hmm. L- like there should be, because yeah, maybe not that different. You know, you know what I mean. It's it's. Oh man, how do I frame it? Yeah, let's just like Fahey is considered a normal person, right? Yeah. Even though, as we see in his interactions, he is an asshole. he's, yes, he's a yeah. very bad person. Yeah. But he fits an accepted archetype, right? Whereas Norman, right, he's bad but normal, but normal exactly. Right. Where, they do where a, Norman a good is, job of showing multiple examples yes. of him being almost normal, but then bad. Yes, but yeah, normal. yeah. Well, yeah. he's almost like he's a bad person that can sort of just hide in regular society. Whereas Norman is a really, I mean, I guess we'll call him an alpha person if we're gonna. Not separate him from mother. It is him killing these people. Right, yeah, we yes, see him yes. kill and, uh, Fahey, who it's kind of mean for us to re- keep referring to this character as the actor's name, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Duke. It wasn't Duke. actually... That's right, Duke. Duke. Yeah. No, Fahey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fahey tries to rape a lot of people in this. <laughs> and one, the one girl he gets to consent, he doesn't really give her anything good for doing so. Right. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah. a pretty bad situation. Yeah. But we don't see him kill anyone. We don't right. see him kill anyone. But right. Norman, we see kill people, but he's like... He is ostensibly a good person in the way he presents himself, right. but he is—he is not. But he's also on the fringes because he's so weird. I, I, I don't know. It, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I, I know what you're trying to say. Where yeah. it's like Fahey's just a dude, right? And really, he is as sick as Norman. I think in terms of satisfying urges, right? And you know, but but we like Norman, even though we know he's a murderer. There's a lot of heavy lifting in this script. That's Beautiful. Well, it's it's like impressive. I think that the that the series has been able to paint Norman that way for the audience, mm-hmm. and then that this movie uses the fact that that's how we feel about Norman to then like parallel him to somebody like uh, um, Duke. You know, mm-hmm. to give us somebody like Duke that society goes like he's normal. He's one of the boys, and it's like yeah, he still does a lot of awful shit though too. Hey, he's just a musician, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just a uh, rock and roll. And I guy. think that's like the interesting thing about the reporter character in it is she's kind of this female character that we get to watch like, uh, I don't know, like live in that masculine world and mm. and respond to it uh, in a way where she's not just victimized by it, mm. you know. Uh, well, and she's also the stereotypical stereotypical just hard hitting reporter. Yes, yeah. She yeah. wants she wants the story and yeah. she's gonna go after it. She's gonna get it. Yeah. And not to call her a trope, but I mean that is like a thing. Yeah. I mean, we think of uh think of Gail Weathers and Scream. <laughs> right, she was right. a parody yeah. of this type of character. Definitely. But I do think that the way she's written is very smart. It doesn't feel like she's written with the ego of the guy in mind. Right. Um, with the male viewer in mind. Like yeah. she's definitely meant to be it definitely just meant to to kind of just shit on that power. It's it's. There was, she's a badass. She seems like she's, she's really written funny. for a, a female. Audience. Yes, yeah. yes. I was gonna say that was the thing that I noticed in this movie, which is I think in in Psycho and Psycho Two, um, uh, 
they're not trying to do this, right? And so they, there's not, they don't address really the idea of these women being victims mm. all the time, right? Like they don't, that's just a fact of those movies that women are the victims. This movie, it feels like Perkins like kind of taps into this idea that like, right, women are the victims in these stories. So like, let's give a little bit of their perspective mm-hmm. as victims in a world, you Especially know? Especially too, because the first one, like there's a read on that movie that I always liked that it was just like, the first one is about a woman who tries to bust free from what is expected of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a weird cog in the wheel that ultimately does it, like the system just does not allow that. Right. You know, she tries to bust out and it's just, nope. It's, yeah. Even if, even if Norman didn't kill her, the system would have reclaimed her back to what she is supposed to be. Right. And then in the second one, we meet a bunch of female characters that we find out aren't so good. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's nice by this one to have someone who is uncompromised by a system. Yeah. And is not bad, yep. is correct, and able. Yeah. You know, that's that's just a new thing, uh, you know, when I th- the third movie. And I think even with the nun character, like, they're... It seems like Perkins just has, you know, he's trying to, he's got a little more of a focus on the idea that like, she, like, oh, she's like, what's the word? I want to say like, oh, she's victimized by this. And it's like, well, yeah, of course she is. All the women are victims in this. Mm. But I mean, like victimized by this world that she's in where there's just men that can pick her well, up. She off even the street, says you know? she, she was, <laughs> she found out there was no God basically. Cause like not explicitly, but she wanted to fuck. Right. And the, 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 priest is like no it's normal to have sexual feelings but you know we just don't do that yeah and you know that is ultimately what led her to just want to taste more of the world than she had yeah and i think that speaks to the same thing that Marion was going through i mean yeah. she's the parallel with right. her name yeah. was what was it mc mc maureen crayon yeah uh, maureen maureen uh, uh yeah maureen creamers yeah yeah and something like that something like that but she's you know, she's her parallel, and she yep. is in the most dogmatic system yeah. of, you know, controlling, you know, whoever's a participant in it, you know, uh, rescinding all agency yeah. to a higher power. She's breaking free from that to seek these further pleasures, and it it's not so simple. Yeah. And it's interesting to compare her uh, sheltered life to Norman's sheltered life, the uh-huh. same way you compare Norman to Fahey. Yep. Uh, you know, Sort of, a, sort of a devil and an angel on each shoulder. Well, they're both yeah. kind of trying to leave. Actually, no, I'm going to say it this way, and it's going to be funny. Promise. They're both trying to leave the grasp of, quote-unquote, Mother Superior. Right. You know, right. Of yeah. this person who just says, no, this is the way it has to be. And they're saying, it doesn't have to be this way. It has to be that way for Norman because of his condition and for her because of her faith system at the yeah. time. Yeah, I was kind of fascinated by like the Catholic guilt that was... Uh, deep in this movie you know it's um, part three yeah it's time it's got to yep. get big we yep. got to get apocalyptic a little bit yeah. it's time to do it i also think we should talk a little bit about just the filmmaking in yes. terms of the ways that it references the previous films mm-hmm. um one of the things that i thought was phenomenal it's the first time we see uh norm norm first time we see norm behind norm. the wheel of a car norm. and yeah. it's the exact same shot as when marion is leaving town yes yeah. and it's when he is trying to drive away from his problems mm-hmm. and he's got a body in the back seat mm-hmm. she's got a bag of money in the back seat and in the original Psycho, she is flashing back to the conversations she just had to see if there are any holes in her story. Yep. And he is having these sort of manic, hallucinatory voices of people talking to him, and he's struggling with, do I give in to this power or no? Yeah. And it's a great parallel. Of course, you know, his body is not a body. It's Fahey, and he right. tries to strangle him. But what a great... What does he strangle him with? 
I didn't. I couldn't figure that out thing. exactly. Maybe yeah. a guitar string. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Would be my guess because he, he had a watch with the guitar. chain or watch or was chain. it just the plastic that he was wrapped in? Could be that because yeah. he did break out of the plastic and I guess broke out of whatever you know b- uh, binding he had. I mean, Norman also suddenly had a lamp in that scene, so it could have mm. been anything. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just man, it's supernatural. They're manifesting. Yeah. I think also uh, one of the things that they did differently in this uh, was regarding the taxidermy. Yes, um, we got to see a little bit of the taxidermy process, which yep. informs the scene later. Where he stabs the mother body, and sawdust mm-hmm. comes out, yep. so that we know. But also, this is you know Norman is still satiating the the uh, tactile needs of his condition by doing the taxidermy. Yep. But also, we are now. In not framing him alongside menacing birds of prey, um, we are opening up these birds of prey and yeah. seeing, you know, what their shell contains. All that's what we're doing to Norman at the yeah, same time. True. That's a very fun parallel. Yeah, that's true. And I the way that we shoot that. him, only a few moments do we see him under the menacing owl, right. where he is above somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, he is on the level as everybody else, um, especially with the strange lighting, which only when we. When we finally realize that there's no redemption for Norman, yeah. we get that shot of him on the steps with the reporter. Yeah. When he sends her away, and it immediately, very Hitchcocky, and goes above him. He is above a step, and she backs down a couple steps, yep. and he says, don't come back here. Yeah. And the power you know, shifts, and the I power think that's shifts meant there. to be a shift in Norman, That shift too. wouldn't work if not for the way that he was framed differently around the birds in the first half of the movie, Agreed. is what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. And it, it's a really smart direction from it Perkins. Is. The music choices from Carter Burwell, of all things, uh, are not so crazy. much. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the sound in this movie in general, it's the wild. sound design is weird. It feels like every single line is 80-yard, mm. which we kind of joked is like, and then by the time you get to the end, we, for the first time, see Norman actually doing Mother's voice. Yeah. And we were like, maybe that's why this entire movie is ADR, so that you buy that that mm. voice is coming out of Norman. Yeah. Because it's weird when, in the first one, yeah. when, uh, or no, I guess you don't see him doing it. You never you only but the vo- it. Yeah, yeah, but, but the voice, people hear it. The voice is very weird. Yes, you. It, it's it's weird in a way where you can't... It's definitely a female actress that yeah, they recorded. Yeah, you can't yeah. quite oh, you know what? believe I'm, that it's I'm him. confusing that with uh, Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Curtis's <laughs> voice was like, how is that happening? Yeah, yeah. No, but you, there is a similar feeling in the original Psycho because the voice sounds it like sounds it couldn't possibly come from, yeah. from him. And yeah. they do like a throwaway reference where they're like, oh, he's doing her voice and all that. Right. And um, so we just have to go with it. But that, like, that was played as a deceitful hand for us. Yes. Because we go, oh, there's no way, because that's a woman's voice. Yep, and right. then that's how they just kind of real quick explain it. Yeah. And limit it you know, by the technology. But I think in this one, Mother's voice is a modulation on Anthony Perkins' voice. It sounds more like it. It sounds a little bit more like him, and that comes clear when you actually see his face doing yeah. it, because it doesn't feel as jarring as if yeah. it was a fully dubbed voice. I, I think there might have been something. but it, Yeah, it might have been. I'm gonna look that up. Um, yeah. Uh, final thoughts. What do we think? I mean, this might be my third favorite Psycho movie so far, <laughs> um, but uh, that is not meant to be really any marks against it. I don't think it's as good as the first or the second, but it was way. I mean, this movie's like legit kind of crazy too. Like the, there are just some scenes that happen where you're like, what the fuck. I do want to talk about one thing about yeah. this movie. The one thing that this had that none of the other ones have had so far is it was a little gross. Yes. The uh, the the must in the house was disgusting. Yeah. Um, the way that he is taxidermying birds and then eating crackers with the same hand and yeah. the same spoon doing the peanut butter. Real gnarly stuff. Um, even just sawdust gross. The ice thing. Uh, but the ice thing. Definitely but even the like the kills, there there's 
They're more gore. visceral. And there's a little gore in the second the one. The second one gets a little gorier. But yeah. it doesn't feel as bloody or, or lingering on I think the you're blood. Right. Like in this one, when, when uh, the nun gets her head stabbed, yeah. and when she falls off, we then linger on the bloody dripping yeah. thing. I think um, you're right. I don't think the second one does that. There was a couple moments in this that were really great. And like even, I think, not even just by today's standards, even by the standards back then, the sliminess of and rapiness of Fahey is meant to be discomforting. It's, yeah. it's oh, supposed yeah. to be off. But that ice scene, we got to talk about that. <laughs> um, and it's a great scene. It's a really well done sequence. And it's one scene where they do give a little bit of, uh, where they, they take a little bit of information from us. Yeah. But only to fuel this one madcap scene. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a mini madcap scene where uh, the cops show up. They say, woman died here last night. Norman. It's not looking good. Yeah, we got to search your place, and he oh don't 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 go into mom yeah, the, the mom's room. Worse. Right. And then they go in there, and she's gone. The body has been moved, so we don't know if he did it. Yeah. Someone else did it. If she's a fucking zombie. We have no clue. But they don't find anything. And as they're as they're leaving, Norman is sitting next to the ice machine that he just got fixed too. Yeah. He's so proud of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the cops are. Uh, basically telling the reporter to kick rocks because there's no evidence to to lock up Norman. But as he's doing that, he's just eating ice cubes out of the ice machine, and Norman sees, oh, shit, that's where the body is. Yeah. And it's bloody. And then the cop is just eating bloody ice Uh, and licking the bloody ice uh, water off of his fingers. Doesn't uh, notice it. No one notices it. And it's very gross, and it's meant to be gross, and it's meant to be quite madcap and humorous. Totally. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think that is the one section of the movie where there's just a little bit of information being withheld from us yeah and it's only to fuel a slightly suspenseful a, madcap like joke kind of a joke that's yeah. very funny and, yeah. and a, go- a really good one i mean yeah. this, that's not a, this is not a cheap no, no, comment no. but it is funny that they broke free from what i believe to be sort of a rule of the movie yeah just to fuel a gross little ooky scene yeah but it's 1986 baby gotta do it that's right heads getting cut off yeah i'm into it i mean i the my big takeaway from this is just that like i actually like perkins as a director like, yeah he's I think, a good director and i think he this did is direct, the only thing he directed right didn't didn't we find out he directed one or two other things and they might have only been like tv episodes sure. or something I'm, I'm not sure he was smart enough to use a a woodpecker at the beginning that yeah, he kills to right. stuff. Yep. Woody Woodpecker in the middle on TV while he kills, yep. referencing a previous kill with a shovel. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. That's pretty cool. I did not definitely. Did I didn't not pick think up I'm on the woodpecker, woodpecker yeah. connection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the first bird we see the is the woodpecker. Yeah. And then, because um, I remember thinking, oh, Woody Woodpecker, and I was going to say something, and then I didn't. Yeah. And then Woody Woodpecker shows up and hits someone with a shovel. Now, keep in mind that there is a another cartoon character that hits people with a guitar. Yes. El Cabong from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons uh, that would have really been interesting to see when he hits Fahey with a guitar. That's true, and it would have fit the tone. Yeah. Because even when he is kind of losing his mind to Woody Woodpecker, the Woody Woodpecker laugh is used to suggest madness. And also, Anthony Perkins directed a movie two years after this called Lucky Stiff, Mm. and that's it. Mm. I'm going to have to see Lucky Stiff. You want to hear the 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 the? I do because I'm rotund. Ron Douglas mm-hmm. has no luck with women until he meets Cynthia Mitchell, who invites him home for Christmas dinner. Her backwoods clan, descended from the Donner Party, is skewed towards the unnatural. Will Ron find his way back to civilization? Ooh. The tagline: It's Psycho meets The Naked Gun. <laughs> it's a comedy. I mean, well, I, I, mean, I trust was, his ability to I was direct say, comedy. There's a very comedic tone to this movie that I think. Sure, he, like, yeah, you know. no, but I from 
It's from the writer of Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Two, Real Genius, Scary Movie Three, Scary Movie Five. Scary Movie Three is actually one of the better scary movie I like movies. That. Scary yeah. Movie Four, Police Academy, Wrongfully Accused, Mr. Magoo, High School High, Police Academy, Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third, Naked Gun. So he basically wrote Leslie Nielsen movies, and then uh, uh, he was a Zaz dude, and yeah. just one of them wasn't Zaz. It was Perkins. Yeah, interesting. I would watch that. Well, he wrote. Like all of the police academies. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Wow. And Police Squad. He, he was working on I'd, that. I sure, would yeah. watch that movie. Now that I, yeah. That, now, that should go on your list. Yeah, we should do that. It's a uh, slasher. I guess it's like a spoof of slasher. It sounds like it's a cannibal yeah. movie. Yeah. It's got to be spoof. Yeah. It's so crazy. I got to watch it. Now I'm really interested in that. Wild. Wild. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this thing up. What any any more final thoughts? Anything closing before? We How get about the uh, the shower recreation? But it's a uh, oh the phone booth phone booth. That's right. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, they 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 really and that's essentially what it is. Is it's, this movie has its own shower scene, but it takes place in a phone booth, mm-hmm. and it's really well done. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if I was so distracted by hey, look at what they're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I didn't really enjoy it in the moment. Yeah, um, I'm wondering how gory it was. It was definitely oh, it was more graphic gory. than the 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 showers. There was the knife actually punctured a couple yeah. times. I remember that. Okay. Um, she fell she onto on glass. glass. Yeah. yeah, and so that caused you know more blood. And um, but then it's got I the, think that was really it. It's got the joke with the phone hanging off yeah. the end. Right. And the if you'd like to make a call, be, yeah. Please, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think Lucky Stiff might actually be good. Be he does good. a lot of good, like, comedic visual touches and stuff like that. I think that's the key to all of those, like, naked gun movies, is that the gags are almost always dumb as shit. Yeah. But they're so rapid fire and captured so well yeah, right. that the delivery system's so efficient that they f- that it, it's they end up being brilliant. And I, I think that he he's, at least has some grasp. But whether like he can got, capture that pace know, for, is probably... Yeah, yeah. But as you mentioned, when we were watching it, Matt. Was sure the pace well was this was yeah, really oh, good. Yeah, good pace. Um, I I bet a movie that is written by people who wrote, you know, Police Academy and Naked mm. Gun stuff like that, and directed with the finesse that we saw in this, mm-hmm. uh, is probably really good. Uh, I, like you say, uh, if you want a comedy to hit, you have to deliver it as totally seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I could see that. Really I could definitely see it. In that. He yeah. seems to be a funny guy. I know. I'm. I'm very curious about that movie now. Where does Where does four start? Like, where does four? What do we do? Well, I don't know. We got to write four. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, we'll do it in our list. But I was gonna say. I think we, well, we did this the at the end episode. of the last one. Though yeah. we did make some kind of prediction. I guess so. Yeah. Where do we? What do we do? How do we get him back into the house? Yeah. Or does it not go back into the see, house? I. I think what I know about it. I, I, I. It's called the beginning. I think so. Something like that. But I know the poster of it has him with gray hair on it. Right. I think so. So maybe okay, is this wh- the protege movie? Could be. Or is it going to be one where he's just like? I'm talking to no one here in my cell. Let me tell you the story of how I... You're probably wondering how I ended up here. Record scratch, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. He finally gets out, and he goes back and then just remembers, and we see a younger actor portray yeah. him. Oh, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be kind of cool. Who's the younger actor? Who do we get? Because what year is so it? Like this, this one was 80-something. Yeah, I bet this one's so a 90s movie. So we're into, like, movie. 90... That would Psycho be my guess. Four. 89, 90, 91. Is a TV movie from 1990. 90, yeah. So, so not like not like John Ritter. <laughs> Younger than that. Uh, At this point, you got to go Feldman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, uh, 
That's the way to go. Maybe. Peter McNichol. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Uh, yeah. No, I was about to name like some Friends cast members, and I was like, even they wouldn't be. Yeah. 1990 would be too early. I feel like the only people I know that are in that age range in 1990 are like, and I just wanted to call him Marty McFly, uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. And he would be just too too damn no. spunky. Yeah. And too short. Too short. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Tall and lanky from 1990. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> that would be a different I mean, movie. I'm not not watching it. Yeah. <laughs> That's happening. And I guess he wasn't in movies until a little later than that, too, probably. Yeah. He did Simon Says, which co-starred Dane Cook. So that yeah. was a little later than 1990. Wow. No, he um, did some other stuff, though, in the 90s. But I think it was later in the 90s. He did Double Impact. Yeah. Not Double Impact. What double was the something. One? Du- uh, God, what the fuck was that called? Double I know indemnity. what you're talking about. No, wait, no, no, the one with Van Damme was, I think, called either Double Team. Nope. One of them's Double Team, one of yep. them's Knock Off. And one of them yeah. has Rodman, one of them has Rob Schneider. That's right, <laughs> yeah. I think Double Team is the one with Rodman, I think. I think so, too, because I think Knock Off is the one about quite literally counterfeit jeans. Oh, really? That, yeah, because they're knockoffs. Yeah. Um, but it's like... It also functions as a knockoff of like the other great buddy karate comedies of the day, like Rush Hour and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. We got to get a Van Damme one on here, but that's another oh, time. Oh, yeah, we should. Uh, Matt, why don't you uh, plug some stuff for the audience here? Let them know where they can find you, and more importantly, about uh, Matt and. Sure. They can so, find uh, you, depending on when you're listening to this, should be out this week. Yeah, but I mean, people can listen to it whenever in, in the perpetuity. Uh, you might have either just missed an awesome show that I did uh-huh. or might have one just coming up. So you should check out mattandimprov.com uh, and learn about me doing an improv show with somebody from the audience. That could be you or uh-huh. somebody you bring and don't tell uh, well, what's going to happen. Uh, that coworker you hate or yeah. you know, maybe your mom would be really interesting to see uh-huh. on stage. I've had all kinds of uh, interesting partners, uh, and it's all uh, improvised uh, in the moment. Plus, there's a, a lot of cool uh, directorial stuff that mm. I've added. So the tech booth has all of these like sound effects and music files that cool. can be played. Then uh, doing a lot with like uh, lighting effects as much as we can that is being you know improvised. You were telling us you have a live accompanist. Yeah, so uh, I I work with a bunch of different accompanists. Uh, and they're improvising music yeah. live as well that is, you know, acting like the score for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's all, you know, improv. Yeah, that's cool. Right on. Yeah. Uh, and that Philadelphia area, but trying to get beyond there as yeah, well? Yeah, if you, if you are listening to this from somewhere outside of the Philadelphia yeah. area, I might be coming your way for like a festival or while I'm on vacation somewhere. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. uh, yeah, I've taken it around to like... Uh, eight states. Cool. Uh, over the years, because like you know, while I'm there, oh, it's, yeah. it's just me, no it's, props. Yeah, I used yeah, to go yeah. on stand-up tours all the yeah, time. Yeah. It was just I found an open mic at the city I was staying yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a great way to get bumped to the front of the list. Yep. If you go, oh, I'm a comedian oh, yeah. from Philadelphia. I'm in town for a couple nights. Can I pop in on your mic? And they're like, yeah. And they put you on like right away. Yep. Beautiful. And I'm like, I don't mean shit. Yep. Stand-ups learn something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drive. 40 miles and oh, you're yeah. like out of town guest it's yeah. like if you're visiting you're visiting yeah. aunt aunt susan <laughs> you gotta you gotta take a night out you know your thing so that's mattandimprov.com that's right and you spell out a-n-d because urls yeah. can't have ampersands, ampersands. Fair enough. Right. yeah you learned something new about html today <laughs> yeah 
Nice. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F. I'm on letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. I review everything I watch. Uh, com this week has a bunch coming from me about Puff. Uh, and uh, cinema76.com is uh, the new uh, the new digs for uh, the Cinadelphia crew. You can find us all over there. Indeed. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those are all my plugs. Sweet. Uh, at Dan Scully on Twitter, on Letterboxd. I also review everything to some degree. Uh, cinema76.com, findy.com. And uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I've got puff stuff coming up for uh, Cinema 76, so check that out. Predator just dropped. A uh, lot, lot of fun stuff coming in the future. We got a lot of cool things coming out to Cinema Seventy Six. Yeah, stay tuned with us. I like to movie everywhere. Please yeah. like, subscribe, tell us what you want to hear. We are coming to the end of our Psycho wrap up. Got two more episodes. This franchise thing has been fun. I really think we'll fun. do it again in the future. I would really like to do it. We'll again. probably do some more, you know, future themes. But please What's feedback after to us. I don't know. Oh yet. man, it yeah. could be anything. Yeah, could we'll, be anything. We do all kinds of stuff. Are you, but are, you, are you doing all horror like through up to Halloween? That's what we're. Yeah, but Psycho carries us through. Psycho Halloween. carries. Oh, okay. We're gonna hit them yeah. all, and um, yeah, and then we'll probably just uh, get power through the winter and all that. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Uh, then you do all those Thanksgiving movies. Yes. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. such yeah. as uh, thanks. Uh, you know. Those ones. Thanks, Killing. That's just a the short. The only one I can think of is Adam's Family Values. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, true. and Cresha. Boom. Yes, Cresha. Thanksgiving movie. Boom. But, oh, uh, yeah. and Derelicts. And Derelicts, Boom. yes. Wow. Yeah. Derelicts is kind of a fucked up Cresha. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't, uh, already published. Can't yeah. write about it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, check out Cinema 76. Uh, yeah. every, everybody's got everything coming out on it, and it yep. just looks so beautiful. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and my Halloween stuff is coming to the back half, so please read yeah. up on those. And go see Mandy. Go see Mandy. Go see Mandy. I believe it's a. Is it available now I, to I, buy? I'm pretty sure that as of you know, fr- I think by the time you're listening to this, I'm almost positive you can rent it on Amazon. Nice. Uh, I, I think it is hit streaming because uh, I think it's having a pretty limited theatrical run. But please see it in a theater if you can see it in a theater. If it's playing near you, go see it in a theater. You you want the theatrical experience with this? Uh, see Mandy. See Mandy. See Mandy. See Mandy. Uh. uh I am on the iTunes store right now, and yeah. Mandy is available. Poof. And so definitely ignore that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go find it. In the, wait until it comes out in the theater. That's right. Or just watch it and then go. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. That's where it's at. See it on a big screen. That is where it's at. Uh, Matt, we're going to wrap this up the same way we do every time. I think you'll probably be able to pick it up as we go along and follow along. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Matt Holmes, and I like to movie to movie. And we all know that you, you like to movie movie because we yeah. like Remember when Norman was like, we all go a little mad sometimes? He brought that back? That, I forgot about that. That was a good tag. Make sure that gets in there. Tell of the boy on a dolphin 
can say it's true Should he rise from the depths of the ocean Any wish that you wish will come true You say he's only a statue and what can a statue achieve? And yet, while I'm gazing at you, my heart tells my head to believe. If the boy whom the gods have enchanted should arise from the sea and the wish of my heart could be granted I would wish that you loved only me I would